This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Yo, what's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn, a.k.a. The Professor. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. I do it each and every week with my homeboy, my co-pilot, the producer of this show, Cody Lashney. Welcome back. Tony Dunn, what's up, brother? We are one day removed from uh, potentially one of the biggest trades in Panthers history, depending on how it turns out. Um, We definitely have a lot to talk about tonight. Um, I, I feel... A little bit differently than when we reacted yesterday, not for the worse or even for the better. But I just um, after listening to Scott Fitterer, um, I just have a lot of thoughts on the future direction of the Panthers. And um, it's going to make for a fascinating discussion. But as always, we're going to do it with the best Panther fans in all of YouTube. Tim Estes, Lance Kubiak, Lynn, Leon Hart, Chef Jeff, my cousin. What's up, brother? Jason Lewis. Andy Smith, Freddie Garcia, Adam Sanders, Tony Dunn, and nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Hold on. All right. Whew. All right. Uh, so, as you can tell, I am broadcasting from my wife's childhood bedroom. That's where I am at. Uh, the I had some work done that was on being done on my house, and um, they cut the cable internet cord. So. This is a less than ideal situation, but the longest running Panthers podcast um, is going to bring it to you each and every week, no matter what, no matter the the obstacles and the challenges that are facing us. And hey, look, all we're doing is 
talking about the Panthers. It's Tuesday night. What else is there to do? Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the show. Had a big turnout for last night's show, man, or yesterday's uh, live reaction show to the Sam Darnold. Um, over over 4,000 views on the video, and 300 people live watching, a bunch of sub-ups. It was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my wife has a pink room. And, look, there's pictures of her in her wedding dress up there now and stuff. It's the same as it was when she lived here. There's nothing changed. Poor people got to still sleep on that same terrible mattress probably. Nah. Uh, thank you to my in-laws for allowing this, and thank you to my mother uh, for taking my kids tonight. Dude, when uh, they cut the cable internet cord, my kids abandoned ship, dude. They were like, we're going to grandma's house. They spent I don't blame them, man. <laughs> they were like, I don't blame them. We're out of here, bro. Who wants to live with the world with, with no internet? Come on. Especially right. being young. There's a lot of cat calls tonight, and the challenge is going to be figuring out how to play them. I'm going to have to kind of work on that as we go along in this process and see how it works. Maybe you'll give me some feedback on how it, uh, how the sound quality is. I'm going to have to kind of just hold my phone up to the microphone. Um, Cody, you said that your thoughts have, have – you've adjusted your thoughts since yesterday. What has adjusted? Well, after listening to Scott Fitterer, um, I really don't think – um, you know, should the quarterback fall to us in the draft, which again, whether or not that happens probably doesn't seem too likely, but I really do think that if Justin Fields or Trey Lance does fall to us, this move doesn't prevent us from taking a quarterback. And a lot of us kind of felt like, well, you know, now we're Sam Darnold or, and, and that's it. We're, we're going to build around Sam. And even though I think that is ultimately what's going to happen, uh, I, I don't necessarily, especially when you consider trade-ups and the teams picking in front of us, uh, I think teams are probably going to potentially trade up uh, to get Justin Fields or Trey Lance. But depending on the evaluation that the coaching staff has about those two men in particular, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, if either one of them are there, it's not surprising me. If we still go quarterback, because I think this move sets us up perfectly to go best player available, no matter what, no matter who that is. And I think that is one of the big benefits of this move, because while we're hopeful about Sam Darnold, we're not tethered to him for a long time. We're and tethered to him less than we were to Teddy Bridgewater, honestly. Well, for sure. How many millions less worth of a tether? Like oh, uh, it's uh, if if we pick up his fifth year option, I think he's going to count nine against our cap this year. I read, and eighteen million if we pick up the fifth year option. So you're talking about uh, if you pick up that option, which they I heard reports that they were, but I, I think that's premature at this point. Maybe maybe we're wrong. But, um, I mean, that's still less than you're paying Teddy Bridgewater to not be on the team, basically. So, I, I agree with you. As I put up a story yesterday on CarolinaCatChronicles.com that the acquisition of Sam Darnold lessens the pressure in the NFL draft for the Carolina Panthers. Because we really were in a rock and a hard spot, right? And that's why we all complained and cried about eight, you know, picking at eight instead of three is that you're just outside the range of getting the guy that you're hoping to get. So 
either you have to go push all the chips and move up or you got to run it back or you got to figure something else out. And we figured something else out. And now there are all of a sudden more and more people are starting to wonder if a quarterback slips. It's not out of this world to think that a quarterback could slip to say uh, eight. Right. But to count on it would be foolish. Right. And and so I I do think that this gives you um, some flexibility you know, kind of gets you instead of having your back in the corner. But if anything, it tells you and shows you how, you know, kind of done the Carolina Panthers were and are with Teddy Bridgewater. Now, um, we got a lot of cat calls we're going to be getting to tonight. But I think that if you want to see our kind of the in-depth talk about what we thought about the trade itself, and and obviously we'll have to talk about that tonight because the calls are going to lead us through that, the value, what this means for the team. Uh, We put out a video, live reaction video, yesterday uh, as this was unfolding. So go check that out. But the news, I guess, kind of that spiraled sense or the questions is like, what do we do with Teddy? And they asked Scott Fitterer this. And Scott Fitterer said, you know, we're going to find the right place for Teddy, whether that's here or somewhere else. Um, Indicating that, you know, they weren't opposed to moving him. And we knew they weren't opposed to moving him because they tried to trade him for Matt Stafford. Are, are part of that deal. Now, um, today, more, you know, I think it was Ian Rappaport reported that the Carolina Panthers have, um, you know, given Teddy's agent and Teddy permission to seek a trade. Like, so he can dictate to some effect where maybe he lands or at least kind of facilitate this. I always love this. It's my favorite. They did this to Cam. It's like, we done with you. But you can go find your next home if you want. Yeah, like, we'll give you. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll give you permission. So yeah, if you want to go somewhere else, we'll let you do that. It's just so dumb, man. Like, look, uh, you know, we've talked about this multiple times. You know, we have a lot more to talk about, so I don't want to be the dead horse. But uh, Marty Herney signing Teddy Bridgewater to that big of a contract was pointless, and it was a terrible move and indicative of a GM that continued to overpay people. So, um, again, I'm just so happy that we have a forward-thinking, proactive general manager now. I have so much hope and faith in Scott Fitterer based on what he's been able to do in a really short amount of time. So I'm really liking what he's done. Um, I, I think that we are truly setting ourselves up to have a really good draft and be able to put some high quality talent on the football team. Uh, just, uh, I guess a couple of house cleaning, keeping things. We signed a guy by the name of Martinez today at offensive line. That's probably never played and that no one knows, uh, their name. Um, going back and seeing some things. Um, what do you, I guess the, some of the kind of the news surrounding it is I, I saw an article on the athletic about grading the trade. And they gave the Jets an A. They gave the Panthers a C. Right? Um, and one of the things was is that... Uh, they gave the Jets an A and the Panthers a C? Yeah. Yeah. That's the dumbest shit in the world to me. This is the reason. Here's the rationale for why the Panthers get a C for this. There's no doubt this is a big gamble. Not only has Darnold played poorly, but he's missed 10 games in three seasons. 
I like the idea of a team taking a low-risk gamble on Darnold, but that's not exactly what the Panthers did here. When the Titans acquired Tannehill, they gave up a fourth and a seventh and got a six in return. Carolina is getting giving up a, six, a second, a fourth, and a six. Um, the truth is that Tannehill's career has very much been the exception. I can see the Panthers being attracted to Darnold's upside, given how young he is, and less than $12 million per season over the next two years he's an inexpensive option but it seems like they got impatient and decided that regardless of what options were available available to them they had to make a move this offseason i'm not sure that that will prove to be the wisest choice they could have just as easily run it back with teddy bridgewater and seen what options were available after the 2021 season if the panthers internal evaluation support the idea that darnold has a real upside then they're taking a reasonable risk but if they just made this trade because nothing else worked out and they felt like they had to do something, they could regret their lack of patience in the offseason. That's the justification there. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily agree with any of that. Like, listen, if you want to say that a second round pick in 2022 is too much, I mean, yeah, look, is it kind of rich? Sure. But so what, dude? You have to one I'm a firm believer you have to pay to play. Like the Panthers for how long have pretty much been relatively, um, you know, uneventful when it comes to trades, right? Not a lot of trades up, not a lot of trades back. Um, At least that's not really what we're known for. But when we want to make a move, dude, sometimes you have to pay a little bit. And like I said, this is a, an insurance policy that has the potential to really pay off for us. If Teddy Bridgewater gets traded, we're probably going to recoup some of those picks anyway. And we have a two-year lease on a guy who just a few years ago was supposed to be the number one pick in the draft. Who was, you know, as people have pointed out in the chat, was with the team that didn't have a quarterback coach. um, Had a head coach that was notorious for players leaving him, going to other football teams and rejuvenating their career. So, you know, I have no reason to not be more hopeful about Sam Darnold. There is a reason to believe in him. And we're also not being hypocritical either. If he doesn't pan out, we're not obliged to continue to pat him on the back. We can move on more easily. All right. The number is 252-228-5098. We're going to try to run the calls a couple of different ways to see which one works out. Cody, you're going to have to tell me right off the bat. What can you hear when I do it this way? The Carolina Panthers are just thirsty, bro. They're too fucking thirsty. Yeah, I can down. Do you need to drink the fucking water, bro? Y'all motherfuckers are thirsty as fuck. Y'all motherfuckers would fuck anybody, bro. Anybody. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is an, another nightmare for me. Another goddamn nightmare, man. This is another goddamn nightmare. Like, what are, like... Like, how are you going to talk about Deshaun Watson? Like, bro, these niggas, man. Getting all this hype about Deshaun Watson for us to trade for fucking Sam Darnold with Teddy Bridgewater still on the fucking team. I mean, we still have... 
Oh, this is why. Up. Oh my god, I can't even talk, dude. I'm so fucking mad. We had the third pick. All we had to do was lose. <laughs> I know it, man. We this, bro. We fucked ourselves so bad. Oh, D baby. Over some pride, because they don't want Ron Rivera to win. All right. Uh, thanks, G-Baby, for the call. I think that's a, a little... Um, I think that's a little too pessimistic. One thing is we didn't hear why. What G-Baby didn't give us is why this was such a terrible decision. Well, I mean, can we be honest about this, though? There, There is, and, you know, let's just call it like it is, there is a large contingent of Panther fans who feel this way. That you know they feel like we're hooking our our long term future on on Sam Darnold, and again we may be. To me, this isn't as certain uh, to everyone else that we are doing that. I genuinely do believe. Now again, I don't know the personal evaluations that Scott Fitterer, Matt Rule, and Joe Brady have. They have on, to be positive. They have to be positive. Yeah. When it comes to Darnold, or else they wouldn't have traded. Yeah, I think that uh, the the Panthers didn't want to take the chance of not having a backup plan just in case the quarterback didn't didn't fall to them. But uh, again, a lot of people feel like G baby, and we you know we can't deny it. And I, I don't even want to come down too too hard on people that are mad at this because it's like. There's a lot of bad film from Sam Donald, given bad coach, all these other bad scenarios. But still, an overthrow is an overthrow. A throw into double coverage is a throw into double coverage. You know. Um, but what's the alternative? Him. I guess for me is this: is that yeah. all right? So I mean, yeah, is that he might be bad. He might be bad, and he might, and he very, you know. And how about we even give? He was like the worst in passing. Like he's had the worst Q- QBR and stuff like that. I mean, he's been it's been bad, and it might be bad, and it might you know. But at the at the end of the day, is that we also knew it wasn't going to be good the other way. And if you're not going to get like what, at least this is a try. I guess what I'm saying It's like it's something. Yeah. It's like a it's a you know what? If it doesn't work, then guess where we're at. We're in a spot that's a good spot for us because we're going to need to get a quarterback next year. Yeah, a top 10 pick. We have a good insurance policy with a player that was in a bad situation that was supposed to be the number one pick in the draft. You know, my thing is this. The people that were uh, ready to anoint Teddy Bridgewater and just throw their entire fandom behind Teddy, like now they're some of the loudest critics of Sam Darnold. They have it's, it's isn't it strange? It feels like it's a requirement uh, for. Sorry, I'm trying to get this microphone set up right. Uh, it feels like a requirement. Like if you didn't like Teddy, you have to like uh, the idea of Sam Darnold, and vice versa. If you liked uh, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, you have to dislike the idea of Sam Darnold. I don't know why that's necessarily true. Um. But I, I think we could just dislike Teddy. That's my point. Is like I just I was not ready for another year of Teddy. Yeah, 
and the Panthers front office weren't ready for another year of Teddy Bridgewater. And this is better than Fitzpatrick, right? It's cheap. It's first of all, you can afford it. That's the thing is that 23 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And you know who likes him a lot? Christian McCaffrey. Like they're oh uh, yeah, they, they've uh, they've trained together before apparently. Somebody was posting. Uh, yeah, I mean they're both California boys. Or well, uh, McCaffrey was born in Colorado, but played college in uh, California. All right, let's go to the next goal. Carolina Panthers are just thirsty. Bro. Nope, that's the same goal. They're too fucking. Hey, this is Kevin from Charleston. Um, so, reading the news, we got Sam Darnold, and, you know, I kind of feel like this is my doing, because a couple of months ago, I called into the, in this show with a shitty, fake New York accent, talking about how we're going to get Sam Darnold, right? And I said, I said that shit just joking. I didn't think we're actually going to fucking get Sam Darnold. The fuck? So, uh... Depending on how he plays out, I kind of feel I owe Panther Nation an apology. But, you know, maybe he works out. Who knows? All I know is that I'm going to be champ for fucking Sam John at all fucking year. Fucking right, baby. Woo! Yeah, boy. Sammy Donald down here with the Panthers. I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready for it. Listen, like we alluded to last uh, podcast, man. Like the the fact that no matter what we're gonna be able to go into this draft, um, thinking uh, that we have a chance. Either Sam Donald is gonna be able to have an opportunity to take his game to the next level, uh, or or we're going to uh, potentially draft one. So again, everything is on the table for us. Like nothing is out of bounds. We could take the best corner available, the best offensive tackle. There's a lot of options for us. <laughs> uh, my son just texted me. He said, tell Cody to watch his language. And and it wasn't Cody. It was G-Baby or Noni's going to find him and wash his mouth out with soap. That's They're at my mom's house watching right now. Um, I think this is that, uh, that that's where I'm actually kind of uh, – you know, kind of puzzled by people who are upset about this. Or maybe not upset. Not You know, it's kind of, you can't class a clump, lump everybody into one group, right? That's not fair either. But at the same time, what you, one of the things that people were so upset about with the trade for trade up to two, trade up to three, we got to get a quarterback no matter what the cost is that we got to do all these things. I mean, give everything for Deshaun Watson. They kept saying that it was just too rich, too expensive. And the argument for the trade uppers like Cody would make is that, yes, it's expensive, but until you have secured that possession, it doesn't matter what else you do. And. Uh, No, Tony cut himself off. How did I cut out? Did I cut out? I don't know. Yeah, you cut out for a second. You're back now. All right. And we switched spots. Um, But, like, uh, is that this at the, at the this gives us flexibility, you know? And, and that's what I like about it is we can go into this draft and we can pick a quarterback if he's there. 
And if it's not there, we can pick a tackle. Yeah. But we don't have to be forced to overdraft for Mac Jones or overdraft Mond in the second or something like that. So uh, that's what I like about this is I like the opportunity, the upside. I like the idea of non-Teddy. And I like the idea of being able to do what you can in, in the draft uh, to the best of your ability without, you know, just uh, having being forced. In, in poker, they call this short stack, right? When you have the short stack, you got to play cards that you don't like to play because you ain't got a lot of time to double your chips, right? And this at least bought the Panthers time. And if this wasn't the year, we don't got to overpay. And we can always wait to see what happens with uh, Deshaun Watson. All right, let's go to the next call. Hey, guys. Chad down here in Charleston. Um, just wanted to What's call up, Chad? and uh, ask a question or kind of make a prediction and then ask you guys um, what your thoughts are. Um, I, I think we're going to have a choice of two quarterbacks at eight. I think we're going to stay put at eight. Uh, possibly seven, maybe move up to seven, but probably stay put at eight. We're going to have a choice of uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Um, I think, you know, Trevor Lawrence going one, Zach Wilson two is a lock. I do think the Niners moved up to three to get Mac Jones. I think the Falcons are going to go either best offensive tackle or Kyle Pitts at four, most likely Kyle Pitts. Uh, Bengals are going to go tackle or Jamar Chase, but looking more and more like Jamar Chase after his um, after his pro day. So Falcons, I'm, I'm going Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase with the Bengals. Dolphins at six, probably going to take either Waddle or Devontae Smith, get a weapon for Tua, and then you have the Lions at seven, who could who could, and you still have at this point Fields and um, and Lance left. Um, so I can see us either trading up there um, to secure a guy um, and taking Lance or Fields there or waiting and taking whoever's left at eight. So just curious what you guys think. Um, I think we've played this brilliantly looking at it now. I know that everybody's yeah. sort of like we're going to miss out and the top four picks are going to be quarterbacks. I actually don't think that's the case. I think um, Lance and Fields are more of a wild card. Uh, even Mac Jones to me, but the Niners love him. But the, yeah, Lawrence and Wilson seem to be the only guarantees. Lance and Fields a little bit more of a wild card, which I'm happy with because that probably lets us get one of them. Curious who you take if they're both available at eight or if we have to trade up to seven or even five and they're both available, which one do you grab? Appreciate it, guys. Love the podcast. Thanks. I wonder if that was before the Sam Donald trade somehow. I didn't mention it, did he? That call was made on Monday at 4.05. Uh, wait, April 1st. Hold on. Is that from April 1st? Yeah, if, oh. that, if that was April 1st, that was way before. Okay. There, yeah, there's no way that we're trading up now. So that's what this move guarantees, is that the only thing that the Panthers are guaranteed to not do is trade up for a quarterback. They have no reason to now with Teddy on the roster. And maybe we trade him. There's been some reports that the Denver Broncos are interested in trading for him. Um, but overall, I think having Sam Darnold on the team means that we're not going to be too 
too aggressive trying to jump up and give up a bunch of picks and draft capital to go get a quarterback. So one of the things that I was reading is that, um, you know, since the Atlanta Falcons have opened up the store for business and have reported that they're willing to entertain trades at number four, you have teams like uh, Denver that could be jumping there, right, trying to get that spot. There's some teams that uh, are in the middle of the pack that need a quarterback that might entertain jumping to four. I was reading the Miami uh, Dolphins blog, though, um, and they were talking about how the Panthers trading for Darnold kind of has these effects on their own draft. And they continued to ultimately think that Miami likes to play this shuffle around to get more picks and uh, get more assets and that they traded back into the sixth and were maybe entertained trading out of the six if someone made a good deal to them and the Panthers being one of the teams they thought could be that, right? Um, the, yeah. the people are going to have to still get ahead of the Panthers if they want to get a quarterback now. Uh, so, all right, the number's 252-228-5098. Let's keep plowing through the calls. You guys, I, 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 for years I've loved what you, the contest and everything that you guys have just done on this show, but I, I can't do it no more. <laughs> I can't. I've been in fam since '95. I, I was four, bro. I just can't. The agony, the the strain, the mental strain this team has put on me in the past two fucking years has it, it, gotten me to the point where I, I'm going insane. I'm literally. Going insane. So first of all, you give this big contract to Teddy Bridgewater, right? That's a problem. Around and trade for another QB that's possibly worse than he is. This makes, bro. I'm broken. I'm on the verge of fucking crying because the mental state that this fucking team has kept me in for the past few years. We had Cam Newton with one year left on his contract. We went from Cam Newton to having Cam Newton on one year left on his contract to giving Teddy Bridgewater a three-year deal to now trading for Sam Donald, which Teddy Bridgewater is still on the fucking team. This is crazy. David Tepper didn't know a goddamn thing about football. I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe that. And Cody, I'm sorry. You're wrong, bro. Every move that has been made, G, is because of fucking David fucking Tepper and not Marty Herney, bro. I'm sorry. He's out of this. So who are we going to blame now, Cody? We're going to blame Marty Herney for this fucking move we just made for fucking Sam Donald? He's gone, bro. He's fucking gone, man. Alright, G-Baby. G-Baby is upset about this move and I disagree a little bit. Is that like, I mean, I guess what's the alternative is my question to G baby at this point. And, but he does raise an interesting question when it comes to uh, the plan and the cap the the plan that David Tepper, uh, a lot of fans were talking about the letter that was sent out the PSL owners last year, calling for patience as we brought in a new coach and trying to do it the right way. 
And even, um, you know, now David Tepper has been classified as an impatient man by the media. And I'm talking Joe Person is now like straight calling. They're calling the owner out as impatient. Like they know him. Like he can't take this no more. He can't take losing. Um, I don't know how close to the him they are. Uh, but yeah, as they they have classified him as that. CK, welcome to the C three Panthers podcast. Ah, uh, hey guys, how you doing? We are doing, and uh, and that's it. We that's what we're doing. Is we're uh, <laughs> talking about this stuff. Um, I think this. Hold on, I want to see. Nope, I thought my kids called in. Can't find it. Uh, Michael, if you're watching and you called in, text me and tell me what the last four digits of your own phone number are. Um, <laughs> yeah, but CK, now that you're joining us, uh, why don't you give us that uh, those beautiful pipes and uh, let these subscribers know a little something that we got to do to them. Uh, over, this is uh, Code Dizzle Allen, and I must say, all of you people and subscribers that have failed to hit that like button in the chat. Subscriber shame. Subscriber shame. Do what my man Zero Chill has to say. There's 116 people watching. Hit the thumbs up. We appreciate you coming in here and hanging out with this man talking about some Panther football. And listen, I understand where G-Baby is coming from, man. I know that guy's in his emotions. I know he's in his feelings. Let's be real. We've had one of the most electric quarterback prospects of the past decade as our franchise quarterback in Cam Newton. And listen, I don't hide my past. I, I tell everyone openly that Cam Newton is what brought me to the Carolina Panthers, right? Now, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not a bandwagon fan. I'm not going anywhere. But for those of us fans that have been around – and have never known another time other than this incredible quarterback leading our football team. Yeah, it's a weird feeling and honestly kind of depressing when you have to go through this quarterback carousel. And it's uncharted territory for a lot of fans. So I don't necessarily blame him. I would just caution him and say, dude, give him a chance. And also, we're not hitching all of our future is Sam Darnold. We have a, an ability to turn around from this relatively fast if it doesn't work out. We like again. This is a cheaper. This this is a better move than the Teddy Bridgewater acquisition. Yeah. And what I mean, and and maybe Teddy Bridgewater turns out to be better than Sam Darnold ever will be, right? Maybe it just doesn't work out. But the cost is less. The cost is in draft capital not in actual long-term financial obligation. And that's been the problem with Teddy Bridgewater is that they had to, and, you know, kudos to this uh, coaching staff and, and David Tepper for just admitting that they got it wrong with, with um, Teddy Bridgewater. Can you tell me this? I mean, like we even say, yes, it's just some picks. Like, even if you think about it from that perspective, it's really only two legitimate picks. Because it's the conditional, uh, it's it's the, we got the compens- uh, compensatory pick. That's the one we traded away this year. Was the compensatory? Yeah, I mean, look, the six is nothing. Yeah, you're right. That one's a free pick. That was a free pick that we didn't. It's not everybody gets. Yeah, but it's not one that 
you you come into the season like thinking, oh, we're gonna get this this year, right? You know, you don't you don't bank on getting compensatory, whatever. I can't say the word. Um, you know, those types of picks. So, I mean, getting rid of that's nothing. The biggest thing, I mean, this is really, if you want to look at it from that perspective, it's a second round and a fourth round in 2022. It doesn't really impact us this draft in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, is that it, it does it does give us some problems in next year's draft. We like uh, like I said in my article on CarolinaCatChronicles.com uh that Sam Darnold lessens the pressure on the Carolina Panthers draft this year. But it does uh, it does affect our draft next year. Right? And I and like I said I would have preferred if it was a third or a fourth rather than a second, but um, that is not what it is. The Panthers, maybe, and that's what really is that, like, what are we going to argue about that the idea is a terrible idea? Are we going to argue about that the cost was too much? Are we going to argue, or or are we going to argue both? And maybe, I mean, maybe there's an argument for all of that. Um, But we've seen, too, is that these draft picks seem great, when we're waiting for the draft, but ultimately a fourth round pick, they rarely hit two, you know I mean? It's hard to hit on, you know, so it's not absurd. It's a lot cheaper than trading up. We took the cheaper route and, um, you know, maybe it doesn't work. All right, here, let's see what we got. This is going to be a special call. Um, We have a little football challenge for you. Let's see if you really know so much about football. No phone. Okay, first question. Who invented the uh, first football? Second question. How big, what's the size of the football, exact size in inches? Approximately. Third question. What is the football shape? And final question. What is the nickname on every football? Thank you for your time. And just remember, no phones, or you do not know as much of it. No cheating. We're watching you. And just to let you know, if you use a phone, then we, and no computers either. No searching it up, or we'll know. Oh, who's making these rules here, man? All right. This is a call from my mother and my three children, where that was my son, my oldest, who doesn't even like football. So, Michael. You tell me, did you know those answers without Googling them up? I'm no, going to guess. Is- I'm going to guess it's a foot long as it is a football. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good guess. I didn't ever think of it like that. I mean, is and that right? all of these ideas, all this time I've been sitting here thinking they called it football because I had to do with your feet. And that's why we always say they call it football. They call soccer in England. Maybe it's it's a foot. I thought it was like 18 inches. I'm saying 18 inches is my guess on. Uh, you might be right. Keelan Slaughter says it's a square. <laughs> it's a square. Uh, I call it egg shaped. Oh, what is man. that? Is that a, like a ob- oblong? Oblique? Uh, I don't know. I call it an egg shape. And who invented the first football? Um, uh, I have no problem saying I know the answer to none of these yeah. questions. Um. James Naismith, that sounds like basketball. That sounds like the guy that either invented hockey or basketball. So uh, very, very tough uh, questions from my family. Hard-hitting from the kids. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Don't don't listen to the rest of the show because we use foul language. 
particularly like this call right here, I'm guessing, has foul language. So <laughs> earplug it, children. My dude, my dude, we got somebody, and I think he's better than Teddy, bro. Like, I, I, like, I don't really watch nobody other than the Carolina Panthers, bro. But, man, this dude does have an arm, man. And I, 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 think, I think it's a good move. And we didn't give much. Like, we literally going to give most of that back by trading Teddy away. Like, man, salute, salute to the motherfucking, to the GOAT, fucking, uh, to the, to the homie, to the homie fucking, uh, uh, to Scotty, Scotty's dick, man. Scotty, Scotty's dick, man. You, you just, he brings so much, so much, uh, positivity to the Carolina Panthers. I, I'm so happy with, with Tepper's decision on that. It's, I love it. It's, it's better, decision. Sorry, so your, your options are right here because only, he may be a Lancer, feels maybe is falling, but the, one thing that is most likely for sure phone is that fucking uh Mac Jones and Paul. And who would you rather have? And I really think there's a lot of upside to Sam Darnold. Like everybody's saying Tannehill two point and like Funky. If people could argue he's better than him. And Tannehill just got a fucking huge contract. Man, I can't I can't wait to see what this how this season unfolds, man. Our defense is looking beasty and our fucking offense can throw past twenty yards. Good God. With all these fucking speedy ass weapons, please, please, oh god! Like, man, my my only fear though is is that he's gonna play so good, we gotta re-sign him. Like, that's a major ass. That's the only fear. But like, that's the, that's a good prop to fucking. Have. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, a bad QT zero out here from fucking Cali. I'm actually in Oregon, but uh, keep pounding, man. There's actually there's, there's Carolina fans out here, man. I'm over here doing this little door dashing shit, and and I fucking. Some dude saw me with my Carolina flag, and he was like, keep pounding, bro. Like, hey, that's what's up, man. Shout out, out to you. We out here everywhere. Don't be sleeping on us. Don't be sleeping on the blue and black, baby. Woo, woo. Let's Ash, go. Woo, woo. Ash, yeah. decline now, boy. That was a good <laughs> call right there. My kid just texted me and said, we have outsmarted you. All right. Well done, Michael Dunn. Uh, and did I tell you guys about my son on Pi Day? On I think I, I think I told you about this in the last show. Is he's not watching? Is he? Yeah, he's watching. Oh, uh, I mean, and it's okay. Uh, American I, Pie Day? No, no, no. Uh, like as in three fourteen, like March fourteenth, because it's yeah. like three point one four. Yep. I didn't tell you guys about this. I don't think so. So I picked my kid up from school, and he walks out of school, and he's holding this little apple pie. I was like, oh, what'd you get this apple pie for? He said, I won pie day. I was like, well, what's that? He's like, it's the 3.14. You know, it's, uh, you get, I, I won uh, for the person who, re- who remembered the most digits, like past 3.14. I was like, oh, that's awesome, dude. He said yes, and, and he doesn't even, he's not bragging. He doesn't like, you know, he wasn't even excited about it. He said, uh, yeah, I set the school record, all-time record. I was like, whoa. I was like, well, what's that? He said 237 digits. Damn, man. Yeah. Dude, and that, my man, dude, that's a ton. My man said this. He said, yeah, I was at like one. He had nine. He, he remembered 92 digits the morning of the day. Has your son got a photographic memory? I mean, it's kind of close. Like he's, it's, it's like I've wondered at sometimes when he was young if that was the case, but uh, so he learned like ninety-two digits in the morning of two hundred thirty-seven. I was like, well, this is all. Like I was so pumped. Like this was the coolest thing ever. 
And uh, he said, uh, I said, well, hey, here's the challenge. Like, why don't you get to 300? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I was like, <laughs> I was, he's like, I, I was like, he's like, all right, I already set the record. And I was like, yeah, well, I'll right. Give, I'll get, <laughs> I said, I'll give you 50 bucks if you do it. And I, and I, and he was like, nah, I'm all right. And I was like, you did all of this for a $4 pie from food line, but you won't do a couple more digits for 50 bucks that you do whatever with. And he's like, nah, I'm all right. But I kind of, you know, it's like, all right, whatever. I'll understand. The next day he texted me, he said, he showed me a copy of a test he took. Like there's a game you can play online to do it. He's like, I got the 300. He said, I'll take that in cash. (laughs) <laughs> and then my man said this he said man there's some really cool patterns in the back end I was like, oh, like, patterns oh gosh nerd by the way uh Len says uh she definitely takes after your wife memory yes <laughs> memory yes that's the truth um i don't have and maybe it's uh been burnt away in some ways but uh i have a good memory for long-term events but like a quick recollection and names bad for me strangely as a historian there's a lot of irony there all right next call 252-228-5098 I want to come back to is, is the high interception rate by Sam Darnold. Um, he has the highest completion percentage he had was in 2019. Um, he started 13 games that year. He threw the ball 441 times. That was the most attempts 
out of his three seasons, not by much. They asked him to throw the ball 414 times um, in his rookie year. Um, his interceptions went down in year two, though. So he had a lot in his rookie year, 15, 13, 11. They're going down. Um, where Cody, did you have any chance to watch any of the film today? And did you see any tendencies that we can kind of try to say, or is this just what it is? Is he a turnover machine? Is he just reckless? What, what's going on? Because with Teddy Bridge, Teddy Bridgewater did come, um, he attempted 492 passes last year and 11 interceptions as well. You know, both had 11 yeah. interceptions. Uh, Teddy played 15 games. Darnold played 12. So I, I before the trade happened yesterday, I was deep on some film review and I had uh, like seven players that I had left that I had to look at that I was really trying to power through. So I didn't uh, do a film room today, but I'm going to do a film room tomorrow. And I put up a poll on Twitter to um, see what prospect people don't want me to look at and do a video about. Uh, because frankly, we, there's a lot of, uh, I'm getting a lot of um, requests to do Rashawn Slater. I've gotten Kyle Pitts. People on Twitter want that Sam Darnold film review. And I think a lot of people in the chat room do as well. I'm going to do my best to get some film from his days at USC and some of his film from the Jets. So that way we can look at some of the good, look at some of the bad. One of the things that I can say about this in the small time that I have spent watching some Sam Darnold is a lot of the big criticism is his tendency to throw into double coverage like there are times when he just has these what i call fuck it throws where he'll just throw it down there and hope someone comes down with the football because they were always depending on sam darnold to make a play the new york jets were 0 and 10 in games that sam darnold did not play so that really tells you. <laughs> and they were two and six in games he did. No, I don't know. They, <laughs> they were really dependent on my man. So, again, I'm not absolving him of the blame here. He definitely made some poor decisions and was throwing the football to bad spots. My thing is, is they required him to do a whole lot with not a whole lot of help. So I'm. I, that's why I'm, I'm hopeful about what he has the potential to do in our offense. Um, but, yeah, he really has to take care of the football better. And uh, as long as our offense has open guys down the field, I really don't think he's going to have a problem connecting. I really don't. Yeah, is that and, – and this is going to put – one of the things is that – and this is where the optimism kind of resounds when it comes to this is that we're kind of getting what is supposedly a blue-chip prospect that checks all the boxes that hasn't put it all together, and he has been in a bad situation. And not that that should absolve him entirely. Um, but if, if one of the things that um, – so people, as we, you know, argued – Panther fans like to argue with each other more than we like to argue with them Atlanta Falcon fans. It's the strangest thing in some cases, right? 
Um, but as we argued whether or not I was in these brutal battles about how good our offensive line was. And I am, I'm clear. I am of a firm uh, opinion. Now I'm not a football expert. I just, all this is eye test me. I watch the games every week. I pay attention. And like, I know. Uh, up, drive, up. I know a pretty girl when she walks by, I know a beautiful car when it drives by, but I might not give you all the details on all of it, but you know, there's an eye test that I think actually just truly exists. And last year, um, the eye test is that the Panthers offensive line, despite all those challenges looked better to me than I'm accustomed to over the past few years. Now I'm not saying that's good, right? I'm not trying to say that these guys were great or anything, but they weren't the number one weakness to me on the team. Um, and so some people have contended that the reason that their success or the success of the offensive line was actually schematic and Joe Brady and the offense kind of put them in a position to succeed. And if that's the case, if he can do that for a bum offensive line, you know, now we really get to see what this coaching staff is made of. And if, if they can put Sam Darnold in a position to where he has the opportunity to succeed. And that just wasn't the case in New York. Certainly wasn't the case in New York. All right. Um, yeah. 252-228-5098. What's up, Panther Nation? This is a first-time caller. Frito Bandito, baby. The cage that stuck between your couch. I love <laughs> this, this whole trade that we did today. This is positive for the Panthers. I'm telling you, mark my words. This is the way Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be out the door for sure because we're going to draft Mac Jones. Will Greer is going to take a back, 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 back seat by washing them cleats and cleaning them damn bottles because I'm going to tell you right now, damn Darnold is going to be the truth. Let's give this boy a chance. I swear to God, I think the Jets messed up. They done got tough change for him, but you know what? Tampa wants to win, baby, and we want to win. Let's go, baby. Let's go big, Panthers. Frito Bandito, welcome to the podcast. And we better hear that name uh, because I'm going to be looking for the change in between the couch cushions from now on. Thank you. Great uh, introduction to the C3 Panthers podcast and, and this group. We Now, the Mac Jones part. He lost me on the Mac Jones. We're going to draft Mac Jones. I don't want that. Um. I, I, you know what this the the call though makes begs me to ask the question: What does this mean that the team wants to do this year? You know, last year, uh, and and this was kind of the bizarre thing is we tried to win a little in Matt Rule's year. Cody, you were uh, you were upset about this uh, as we, I mean, we were upset about the Cam Newton departure. That's what I was most upset about. But for you, it was just not only the departure from Cam but then this kind of sort of lateral move into the four and five win ethosphere that yeah. kept you out of getting what you needed to do. So I guess is this, is Sam Darnold to the Panthers um, going to put us in a similar situation of next year, you know, eight and whatever. I'm probably going to break out again. I see the little thing pop up, but anyway is, or is this something saying that the Panthers are really trying to give it a go and maybe not win the division, but improve. Hey, listen, it's possible. I mean, listen, I, I really don't think um, this team 
especially after we add a whole nother draft and knowing how much talent we have and knowing that the 49ers and the Falcons are kind of in this weird state of flux as well. You know, I mean, I think that we have the potential to be a real uh, a dark horse team this year. And again, like to people saying that I'm just being too optimistic or I'm all of a sudden just petting Sam Darnold's head. Look, uh, there isn't too many options the Panthers had available to them. We, we either should have moved up to three before the 49ers did it, or, you know, we had to have a contingency plan in case one of those quarterbacks didn't fall to us. So, again, like, there's only so much you can do from a fan's perspective. Sometimes you just have to bite down on it and go with what the organization says we're going to do. And I don't think this is the worst choice that we could have made. All right, next call. Yo, guys, it's Nick. I'm up here in Mass. So, Sam Darnold, news broke today, okay? Not upset about it, not the happiest about it, but you know what? At the end of the day, we at least know that we have a quarterback other than Teddy Bridgewater and other than Will Greer. And as much as I hate to say it, other than P.J. Walker, because I'd really like to give P.J. or even Will Greer an actual shot so that way we can actually see what we have in those guys. I mean, we already have P.J. for another year. Will Greer, we should have him for another year or two, but I mean, he's on his rookie contract, so we could always just cut him and be done. But uh, I, I got to say this. I got to ice up somebody. Okay, I've been watching the NFL Network all week, and this dude named Zerlin or Zerlin, whoever you are, ice up. Okay? All your mock drafts, yes. the Panthers picking Matt Jones at eight when Justin Fields is still available. Okay, you are off your rocker. Okay? Guy named DJ on the NFL Network, he, ran, he ranks Mac Jones at like 32 in like the top 100, as well as a good number of his wide receivers. Those are in the top 10. A whole bunch of Alabama players made it into like the top 30, and then you have Mac Jones at 32. We have Trey Lance at like 15 or 16. So Zerlin or Zerlin, ice up because that there's no way in hell that is going to happen. And if it does, there's going to be a riot. Um, sorry, I, it's been bugging me ever since I saw it on my TV. I I wanted to throw something at my TV. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, there is no way we are taking Mac Jones over Justin Fields. No yeah. way. Yeah. But um, with that being said. You know, Sam Darnold, back to the Sam Darnold. Second uh, second round next year, I think like a fourth and a sixth. I mean, I'm not happy with the amount of with the amount of capital it took to get him, but I'm also not upset that we got him. At least we can go into the draft knowing that we have another quarterback. Yeah. And I gotta ask, do you think do you guys think it's at all possible if, you know, Fields or Lance are still there at eight that we would still get him? And if so, yes. quarterbacks would be staying. So, love the show, guys. Keep on it. So, here is a, a little tidbit from a 49ers website. This is, um, it looks like it's an NBC-hosted site. Oh, so it's NBC, NBC Sports, actually. It says this, Cal, uh, Coach Kyle Shanahan attended Jones' second pro day at Alabama in person last week and reportedly loves the Heisman finalist 
Rumors around Jones being the 49ers' ideal choice at three have been intensifying, but not everyone is as high on the signal caller as the 49ers' front office reportedly is. Bucky Brooks, my man. I like Bucky Brooks a lot. Carolina Tar Heel came out and said the six foot three, 217 pounder doesn't display A grade arm talent or athleticism between the lines. Jones' lack of speed, quickness, and running ability extend plays or create big gains outside of structure. Moreover, he's confined to the pocket as a statuesque signal caller built to throw traditional drop back passes behind a fortress. Um, so is that, is this is the, the one thing is Mac Jones may very well be good. Is that, but is that there's nothing that just says that he's going to be exceptional or yeah. could be exceptional. And, and that's the point. That's where I think Bucky is right. Is that, and and you know what is, and that was the case for, for Tom Brady as well, you know. And but but Tom Brady wasn't drafted in first, you know. Is that yeah. there's a difference between a guy proving everybody wrong and it turning out to be the case, and a guy who checks all the boxes and he just yeah. doesn't check all the boxes for me, and I just didn't think the pro day nothing looked great. The ball wasn't. Uh, I, I, uh, when I was watching Justin Fields pro day, um, Ryan day, their coach, first of all, spoke glowingly about him the whole time. Um, he doesn't have to say any of those things. He could just be non-existent if he didn't like the kid. Um, but he kept talking about the spin, the spin of the ball, the spin of the ball. And it was, it just had a nice zip and kind of whistle to it. And I just didn't see that when I was watching Mac Jones, you know, on the face of it. So. Yeah, uh, by the way, Lance Zerline has me blocked on Twitter from a, a point in time where I was just roasting his ass and his terrible fucking trades a few years ago. So, yeah, that's like a little badge of honor for me. Zerline, dude, he's, he's a dunce. I hate all of his mutt drafts so bad. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Matt Jones, is uh, he's not even – uh, he's going to be my QB six. I have five quarterbacks ranked above Matt Jones and one that people, frankly, probably won't see coming. I really put in a lot of work into my top 100 players that I'm working on now. So I'm really, I'm really trying to hammer it out. I, I like to compare and contrast my notes and see how players do in later seasons. So um, uh, I'm excited to look at it. But the NFL Network did another mock draft today. And uh, Daniel Jeremiah had uh, Matt Jones going number three. And he said, this is not what I would do. This is not how high I have Matt Jones evaluated. But I'm doing a mock draft based on what I hear. And Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch apparently have a love affair with Matt Jones. They really love how smart he is. And they think he's going to be able to come in and run that offense uh, on day one. Now, apparently, as you alluded to, some of the coaching staff or the other members of the front office are higher on Trey Lance, and they're trying to sell him. I don't know. It's an iffy situation. I'm telling you right now, if I'm a betting man, I think Matt Jones goes number three, and I think either Justin Fields or Trey Lance, we're going to be sitting there on draft night, and we're going to be like, are we going to have an opportunity to draft one of these dudes? I really think it might come Man, down. And to that, you know man. what is that? 
if any if that happens, what's the worst that we're gonna say is that we can try to move Darnold? You know, I mean, like, what's the worst? Uh, really, is that? And all you got to try to do is get back a second. Or I don't even think we would try and. I think no matter what, especially if we traded Teddy Bridgewater, I think no matter what, if it's Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or even a Matt Jones, I think uh, Sam Darnold is going to be the starter this year. No matter uh, what, they're going to. You know, that's something I did want to bring up when we were talking about uh, what yesterday, as we did the podcast, what the future with Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers were. And we obviously knew, I mean, there was, a, there's an opportunity that he could just be on the team if we can't get anything. Right. Um, but th- we've heard that they've allowed him to kind of try to seek his own trade or negotiate it. I always love that. It's like, well, you go figure it out for us and then we'll, okay. Like, why aren't the Panthers trying to work on a trade? Um, but interestingly, I guess, or convergently is that, uh, you know, the, Douglas, the GM for the Jets, was asked about, you know, well, why are you trading Darnold? You know, I mean, like, is, does that, does keeping Darnold around, you know, prevent you from drafting a quarterback and this and that? And he said, and this is from the athletic, he said the team toyed with an idea of keeping Darnold and pairing him with a rookie. And that was confirmed by the GM, but ultimately they decided it would have been a distraction for all parties. And this is a quote from their GM. Ultimately, that wouldn't have been the best situation for Sam, for the rookie quarterback, for coach Robert Sala and his staff and the locker room. We felt like this was the best decision for the entire organization moving forward, hitting the reset button. Um, he went on to say that Douglas has had, has conducted conversations with a lot of teams, including the Panthers, regarding the second pick, but that he wouldn't characterize any of those discussions as meaningful. And I think since they uh, traded Sam Darnold, they're pretty much saying, we got our guy. We feel very comfortable at two. The number's 252-228-5098. Let's go to the next call. Hey, hey, hey. You know who the fuck it is. It's G, baby. And I got a lot to fucking say since we're doing a motherfucking podcast today. I got a lot to fucking say. Cody, CK, Tony, I don't know where my man Greg's been at, but he's the only one that has some sense around this motherfucker. <laughs> I, I want to start off, I, I'm going to start off, and this is no disrespect to you guys, but I'm going to have to get disrespectful. CK, and, and yo, motherfucker, please, if you ever, and I mean ever, compare to Cam Newton to fucking Matt Ryan again, bro. I swear to God, hey, I'm gonna mute you. your motherfucking ass. Because I'm just as dumb as fucking Tony saying he would take the Merritt Bird over motherfucking Curtis Samuel. Hey, <laughs> let's go. Are you motherfucking kidding me? Matt Ryan could only dream of doing what fucking Cam Newton has done in his motherfucking right. career. Don't you ever say that ignorant shit again. I swear to God, I'm going to mute you for the rest of the motherfucking of the fucking podcast. That means every single time you talk, motherfucker, you get <laughs> muted. And come here on out. <laughs> now, Kobe, on to you. Uh, let's go, bro. I don't agree with you, bro. Kirk Cousins is not the same as fucking Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan can scare me sometimes. And I'm going to tell you something uh, old white man told me one time. What's an MVP? Always an MVP. You can never take that shit away from him. Ever, bro. So now he's complimenting them? 
give him respect because Kirk Cousins, he don't have no fucking MVP. He hasn't been in no fucking Super Bowl. True. So I want to get. I agree with the moment. on the motherfucking table. Thank you. All right. I feel like I got off easy. Tony got off easy. Hey, I'll uh, I'll address it. I wasn't sitting here uh, making the uh, the the campaign that Cam Newton wasn't as good as Matt Ryan. I'm making the uh, the comparison. If we're going to compare those two, Cam Newton doesn't have the stats that Matt Ryan does. Period. Like reality is, Matt Ryan beats him as a quarterback. Now, as far as running and being an athletic quarterback. You know, obviously Cam Newton is is far and away better. He doesn't beat him as a quarterback, bro. You gotta be kidding me! So much better help around him for the past how many years, bro? Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, bro. Hey, are you using that excuse? Are you using that same excuse for Patrick Mahomes right now, dude? Matt Ryan, if he were on the Carolina Panthers, he would never have been able to do what what Cam. What do you What do you think? What do you think about Patrick Mahomes? Like, do you think he would have done the same that he's done on the Kansas City? If he had done, listen, listen, he's a great quarterback. I've said if Deshaun went to Kansas City, Deshaun would have done the same thing. Man, your supporting cast matters. Yeah, it matters. And well, that was my only point in the Cousins Matt it, Ryan thing. It does, but if you're looking at it from straight up quarterbacking, Matt Ryan as a quarterback, you take away the other stuff because I mean I think 100% Cam Newton is by by and large a better quarterback because of what he can do as an athlete, right? I think that was why he was a better quarterback in that respect, or at least a better football player in my mind. But from a strictly quarterback standpoint which is being a quarterback, dropping back, throwing the ball, he was not as good as Matt Ryan. There were throws that Cam Newton can make that Matt, great, yeah. Ryan, that Matt Ryan couldn't even dream of making. I'm yeah, talking about the tightest of tight window throws, bro. Yeah, and that was 20. I mean, let's be honest. If we want to look back, how many times did Cam Newton in his first, second, and third year always make us think, ah, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it here. He's, he, he's athletic. He can get out of the tough binds, but he was very bad about throwing the ball to the other team, and that's a fact. I don't know. I didn't. I felt like Cam was fine until, but he, he wasn't elite. Getting beat up. Cam did, Cam didn't have the weapons around him to be elite. I know, but that, you that's can't. What, that's what I'm saying. But Matt, that's what Matt, I agree. Matt. I agree. But I think I think the the reason that this has become a conversation is you can't sit there and say that Matt Ryan isn't a good quarterback because, or that he isn't a, a better quarterback when his and numbers say that And that's what Cody does all the time. Cody yeah. shits on Matt Ryan, and I I'm hate Matt Ryan. I'm from a physical anybody. perspective, from a physical perspective, from a mental perspective, He's not Kirk Cousins, from what, from what they are capable of doing dance. on the field, if you put Kirk Cousins on the Atlanta Falcons no, football no. team, no, he had Thielen and Diggs. He had Thielen and Diggs. Just as good. All right. Uh, next call. Yep. Now I'm going to go back to getting on motherfucking CK's ass once again, boys. Because you want to say some ignorant, stupid bullshit about culture, about losing and culture. Well, motherfucker, if we would have lost that game against Washington, all of this would have been wiped out, bruh. You're right. We wouldn't have to mortgage our right. future, a second and a fucking fourth of next year's draft. We wouldn't have to have to jeopardize all that capital to get a fucking QB that even... Oh, it's not that much, G-Baby. Yeah, 
G baby, you're a bit over the top tonight, brother. G baby, but you know what? Here is the thing: is all of that is in the past now. Sadly, well, well, I still think we need to address it because you know when you're going to come in hot like that, you got to come in with a reason how they could have fixed it. What do you expect Matt Rule should have done in in that Redskins game, G baby? That would have changed the outcome there. Do you think that he could have said, "Hey, uh, Teddy Bridgewater and everybody that's on the offense, I know that this defense." is just not able like they can barely stop Dwayne Haskins and Taylor Heineke like as it was uh but you guys just stop playing football nah, they can stop it when the Panthers didn't win that game Dwayne Haskins lost it the Dwayne Has- he was I mean, so we, bad if you look at that we did try to throw that game it felt like we were so close to losing to Taylor Heineke there at the end like I mean I know it wasn't like super close but I mean he was coming back he was making our defense look like they I mean and you could sit there and say he did. He had a pretty good game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, in the playoffs. In all reality, that wasn't as close of a game as people want to try to make it out to be. That was still not that fantastic of a game. But, G-Baby, you can't come in here and say, we shouldn't have done something different as a coaching staff in that moment when that was one game that we won that would have changed the outcome. What could have changed? What could have been different? What well, would Curtis you have Samuel done? went and got paid. Guaranteed. He got that big third down. That one sucked. And Dwayne Haskins was terrible, man, is that we needed Alex Smith to play. Yeah. And and, and that- you know what is that? And, and shame on Ron Rivera. Wasn't that the week Dwayne Haskins went to the strip club and all that? And they still played him against us? Like I they think so. Yeah, it was either. The, yeah. Like they should right have sat him. They should have after- sat him. After every Panthers loss, or uh, someone got fired from, uh, or after every Panthers win, someone got fired from one of those teams. Remember, after we beat Detroit, uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Patricia got fired. Yeah, we were. Yeah, then after we beat uh, Washington, they cut Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, yeah man. The the if if you lost to the Panthers. That meant your ass. You were on the chopping block. Uh, it was time to go. It looks yeah. like I did not get off the hook. Tony, you be tripping me out, bro. This is G Baby, man. You be tripping me out, dog, with some of the takes. You, you uh, bro, G Baby got nine calls. You say this might be that you be the would last be tripping one, bro. out if you had Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not defending Teddy Bridgewater. I, I don't even want him on the fucking roster. You, I'm the biggest Teddy. Hey, everyone know I'm the biggest Teddy. Yeah, you are. You are. But you said you wouldn't feel comfortable with having him. On the roster at the beginning of the season, but you'd feel that much comfortable having Sam fucking Donald? Like, bro, what? Yeah, have, there's have a difference, baby. Have we really gotten to that point? Yep. Where we're just okay with mediocrity at the fucking QB position? Like, are we that far out of the fucking Cam Newton era? All right. Thanks Dude. for the call, G Baby. Is this is uh I I think that's misconstruing the point for me. Yeah, yeah. Is that with Teddy Bridgewater on the team, I feel like I know, like, I, I feel like there's only so much I could be, it's, it's, I could be excited about. 
or actually it, it it would not be the quarterback position or even potentially winning. Yeah. Um, and every time we won, it would be back to square one where Cody's up here every week saying we got to get a quarterback and this is just taking us the wrong direction. This and that. Right. So like, that's the like uncomfortableness with Teddy Bridgewater going into this season. But there was an equal uh, uncomfortableness for me in having to pay so much to not have Teddy Bridgewater as our quarterback. And what I mean by that is to trade to get the guy, right, is that the the idea, the only person I was really interested in mortgaging that much was Deshaun Watson before yeah. all this hand this came about. But even there was a there's a little trepidation even for that when you put so much into a guy working. The, the thing that I'm uplifted about with Sam Darnold for me is not whether uh, – I don't know. I don't think all of a sudden the Panthers' prospects of success just got um, immensely better. Um, but I am interested to see how much uh, was of him being bad was the situation and how much of it is him. Um, I'm also interested to see how much that this coaching staff – can do with, do, a, yeah. with a quarterback that isn't Teddy Bridgewater, that has a physical skill set that's different. A big guy who's mobile, who can throw on the, you know, it's got the the arm talent, things like that. The last yeah. thing and the most thing that the thing that is most exciting about this for me is that just this gives us options in the draft. Yeah. And the, I was very scared that the Panthers were going to pick a quarterback at eight that because they had to, not because they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And now if we pick a quarterback at eight, I think it's because we want to. And if we don't, it's because it wasn't available. And so I agree with all the points, right? Is that like, hey, the Washington game is really made this an issue that could have not been an issue. You know, Um, but but it is what it is at this point. Now it's about what can we do to get to to move the move the needle. And I think for me, I, I guess what I'm also equally excited about is that the team recognized that Teddy Bridgewater is a bust. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. this, this tells you without question again, and I mentioned it yesterday, this tells us exactly what we all knew and the, and the organization wouldn't say until the end of the year, Teddy right. Bridgewater wasn't it. And yeah. as many people that were in, and, and listen, I get it as a Carolina Panthers fan. We had to defend Cam Newton all day, every day, Right. We, we had to. Everybody was saying, all, would tell us all the things he did wrong, and we'd have to tell him all the things he did right. It was just a constant battle, and it was very exhausting, right? And so as Teddy fans, I imagine they felt the same way. Well, look at his completion percent. I mean, they had valid arguments in certain areas, right? But at the same time, we all saw with our eyes what we had in Teddy Bridgewater. You know, and Holger, you know, he brought up something earlier talking about Teddy Bridgewater's stats. Ogre, it is clear you'd never watched a game of the Carolina Panthers because those stats are so misleading, it's not even funny. And so that is where we're hoping that a change to a, a quarterback that has, if you look at his tape, if you look at his tape in college, he looked almost in the same, I'm not going to say he he was at the level of Trevor Lawrence, but if he would, if he had been a, in this draft class, he would have been toted as one of the same top, top uh, prospects that are in the league or in the draft this year. Like, if you go back and you look at his tape and all the things he did, you would see that. It's period. He was a third overall pick. You can't you can't forget that, right? And so I think, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that we're, you know, unique to, or we're, we're used to this um, middle of the pack, you know, where we're just, 
ready to be average. But I think you've got to keep in mind there is a big upside to this. And Tony, I agree without question about we're about to see what we got in our coaching staff. And if Sam Darnold can do something, that speaks highly to Sam Darnold. That speaks highly to Joe Brady and Matt Rule uh, because they're able to turn people around. And you see it's happened with a lot of people that's come to the team uh, and the development that they've been able to get out of guys who shouldn't be stars. I, I think I just want to say this real quick, man. Like to everybody, there's some people in the chat room and, and people just online in general that are not happy about Sam Darnold. And look, no one, I mean, absolutely no one would have said that Ryan Tannehill that you saw with the Miami Dolphins would go on to be a really competent playoff quarterback that looks good. Dude, Ryan Tannehill would be good in this offense if he had him. He might not be the sexiest name, but he would be able to throw the ball farther than Teddy Bridgewater, more accurately than Bridgewater. And like that's what I'm saying. Like, listen, we don't have a lot of good film from Sam Darnold, and we know that. But in the that's NFL. literally yeah, in the NFL. But the entire point is that now he has the opportunity to do so. The Panthers have a legitimate receiving core. The Panthers are going to rebuild this offensive line in this year's draft, and we've already done a little bit in free agency. If he doesn't like, have confidence coming into this year, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know. He, he is a bust. If this year, if he comes in, obviously he's got to have some learning curves. But if he plays as bad as he did last year, it's a bust. It's, it's, it was a bad move, period. Right. I don't think percent. there's any way, and I don't think there's a possibility that he could be as bad as he was in New York. Yeah, now, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as I think that that's the floor. Yeah, right. If I we agree. saw the ceiling with Teddy, we saw the floor with Darnold. Yeah. and this team is just a completely different bag, and the pressure isn't there. I mean, maybe there is pressure, but for him, it's a got to be a relief. And he, you see the party yeah. they threw. Like, I mean, like he's yeah. so he's happy, like to get out of a toxic situation. Last point was, on G Baby, uh, and then we'll move on to the next call. Is um I do understand one one thing that he's got one thing going on, and what he is fretting with is life without a quarterback. Yeah, that's what he's dealing with, and that's what we've been dealing with. And I told people yeah. that I told people go check the tape. It's for all the people that complained about Cam and this and how we need to find a new answer and cam ain't it having a guy at quarterback that you believe can get it done um whether he's hurt or this or that is so much more it's just such a relief in comparison to living in this land of non-quarterbacks right i mean just go and look around the league for teams who have been searching for decades and decades for their quarterback yeah, you know, um, yeah. to where it's a joke is that like look at the Bears, look at the 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 Browns, look at the Bengals, look at all of these. It's just a long list of revolving doors of it. Don't matter what you put around them until we get a guy, we don't got the guy. And so it is. We were very blessed in having Cam Newton. And I really was appreciative of it, and that's why uh, he does mean so much. And that's why um, also G Baby is still in his feelings so much. Yo, it's your boy, Sports Freak 28, a.k.a. Juan Connie. Juan Connie is saying, I think this move with Sam Donald, picking my Panthers, is absolutely 
Hey, Tony, can you hear me? Tony. It's impossible. Can you hear that? Yeah, I have no idea what you're saying. Tony! Good Lord. <laughs> oh, what a circus. Wave your hands in there. So, chat, what's up with you? Evangelista, I would love to come to Houston, bro. <laughs> I've been trying to go, uh, go to Houston for a long time. I got some friends there. Uh, yeah, chat, what's up with you? Yeah, chat, how's it going? 100%. Yeah. Tony! Tony! We no one can hear the call, man. What do you mean no one can hear it? It's so low, no one can hear anything. Is None it different than the it. other ones? It, I, I don't know if it's just him, but it's too low to hear anything. All right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. My bad. I was plugging up my computer. <laughs> We're trying to wave at you. Like, hey. I didn't even see here who that was, but thank you for calling. He's called before. He's a really nice guy. Talking about this week. The, the trade that stopped the world. Yeah, would. Um, no, Can you hear it now? I don't. Yeah. I don't love it. it was just his phone, I think. Either. It's just, it's, it's really interesting. It's not a move that I, you typically see the Panthers make. So I just feel like, I mean, we're being aggressive, which, which we're usually not. So, I mean, fuck it. Like, we know Teddy's not the guy. Um, and now there's, now we're seeing reports that we're looking to restructure his contract or move him if we can't get a move to at least restructure his contract or something like that, which, you know, it's whatever. Tell you um, but I, now that we got Sam Darnold, we got Joe Brady, you know, two guys who everybody keeps telling us how good they are, but do we really know for real? Um, so this is going to be uh, really, really a, a make it or break a year for Sam Donald. Everybody's talking about how much potential he has. And yeah, sure, it's coaching. doesn't have the weapons regardless. But you see a lot of the decisions this guy makes. It just doesn't scream, you know, franchise quarterback to me. Like, I remember literally watching his first game. And and I kind of have this internal uh, bias against USC quarterbacks, too. But my head, I was like, this guy's hyped up, man. Like, he's not that guy. Da, 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 da. First ever pass in the NFL was a pick six. Um, so I was laughing my ass off, and now he's uh, QB1 for my Panthers. So I guess the joke's on me. But, you know, I, honestly, I, this this year, it's really like if you see Sam Darnold, if he looks competent, he balls out, does whatever, Sam's have a good season. Uh, Joe Brady's 100% gone. He's 100% going to be a head coach next year. Um, but if you see Sam Darnold kind of stink up the place, kind of be what he's been, it's still going to be up in the air. Like, is Joe Brady that guy? Is he the quarterback guru? Is he the whisperer? So I feel like this is going to be a lot more uh, uh, a make it or break a year. Not really make it or break a year, but kind of like a show me type of year for, for Joe Brady as much as it's going to be for Sam Brown. So um, if anything, man, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be way more interesting or intriguing than it would be if we were coming in with Teddy as a quarterback this year. So, you know, fuck it. Let's just hope for the best. You know, keep pounding all that, all that shit. But Damn. See, that's a good call. That's my yeah. point. That's yeah. my point with all of this. The that's worst a great that, call. The worst that's going to happen is it's going to be what we had last year. Yeah, and I think that that kind of ties into this uh, 
uh, comment that I noticed from uh, from Tim Estes. He's always in the chat room. Shout out, Tim. He says, it's a huge gamble. Don't get me wrong. I'm pulling for Sam because he's in the black and blue, but I don't see it. And you know what? I don't mind that anyone having that opinion because, one, we're talking about a restoration project, and mm -hmm. we know that that's the case. We know that he has a ton to prove. But just like it was with Teddy Bridgewater, listen, we had a lot of bad shit to say very early on about Teddy Bridgewater and the kind of player that he is. But damn it, we wanted to be proven wrong. We wanted Teddy Bridgewater to shut us up so that way the Panthers can be good and win. You know, and that's what we're saying. Give Sam at least a chance to prove it. Because what I'm saying is Sam Darnold has a much higher ceiling than Teddy Bridgewater has ever had. Listen, go back and watch Teddy Bridgewater's pro day. The guy was putting on gloves, taking off gloves. Like, he had one of the worst pro days of all time. Okay, he's never been a high-end talent. At least you know that with Sam Darnold, you have the potential to build around a player that does have the traits that you want from the position. So you don't have to love it. You don't have to believe in it. Just give them a chance. That's There's one difference. Saying. There's one other difference too, is between a guy who has the ability who hasn't done like the capability. He has the capability and the ability, but hasn't done it yet versus someone like Teddy who, yes, he, he can only be so bad, but he can only be so good. And the thing I think with Darnold for me is this, is that he's played basically three seasons, one of those seasons on a team that was trying to lose uh, intentionally at every turn, it seemed like, uh, just dysfunction. I guess the idea is, is can people get better, right? Can a player improve? And at this age, I think I'm not ready to say his career is over yet for Teddy. Where can Teddy get better? And it's kind of like you can't teach speed. Right. And so Teddy's problem isn't turnovers. Teddy's problem isn't calling the offense and running it. Teddy's problem is, is just a lack of physical arm talent and the gusto and the bravado to throw the ball down the field. So you can't teach him to be stronger, but maybe you can right. coach up this kid to be less uh, foolish with the football. All right, let's keep plowing through these goals. Hallelujah. Finally solved our quarterback issue. By the way, it's Joey. What's up, Joey? Hey, what a day. I come back from um, almost uh, – Cody, you might know how far this is. Basically, Charlotte to Martle Beach to uh, try out uh, some tandem trikes, tricycles, um, you know, to be able to ride on. Cause, you know, blind people riding bikes by themselves is like you trying to walk across stage, Cody. But uh, anyway... So we do that. We find what, that I just life. don't we're do really it? Excited. We get home. <laughs> I finally get laying on my bed, brought out my big fat ex. And then I hear on YouTube, Sam Darnold traded to the Carolina Panthers. And really? 
Yeah, I thought it would have been cool as hell to have Deshaun Watson. And yeah, I thought it would have been cool as hell to have uh, all these other shiny new picks. But Sam Darnold is basically a rookie because he hasn't been playing on an NFL team for the last, you know, for the first I don't know how many years of his career. So he goes from Adam Gase, that idiot that somehow been yeah. the Jets that he's worth a shot. Uh, whatever no-namers they had that, you know, probably, well, no, they'd been on one NFL team, the Patriots, because Belichick likes those kind of jackasses. But anyway, yeah, all those kind of players, nobody's, I can't even name anybody on the Jets. That's how much of the nobodies he had. But um, he goes from that to having Matt Rule, Joe Brady, quarterback from the offense, by the way. Um, he goes from that to having Joe Brady, Matt Rule, CMC, uh, uh, really good wide receivers, a decent offensive line that can hold its own, and... He's got a shot. I'm really happy. Anyway, guys. Wow, wow. I like that. I like that a lot. As Joey gets more confident, he holds that that pause mm-hmm. a little <laughs> bit longer before he lets that ground right. go. I'm into it. Uh, shout out to my fellow handicap, Joey the Blind Panther Esquivel. Um yeah, listen, uh, because of the newness of this whole thing, I was checking the sports media talk shows today just to kind of, you know, get a lay of the land to see what people were saying. And I'll be damned if Colin Cowherd, of all people, didn't make a good example in, in his uh, little open dialogue this morning. He said, how many other uh, times in life is a person judged off of how good they were at the first job they ever had. Like, what was the first job that you've ever had in your life? Did you want to stay there that long? Did you love what you did at your first job? Were you the greatest at the first job you've ever had? No, probably not. And it doesn't define you either. That's what I agree, man. And this is kind of the point I was making yesterday is we have such a... um, instant gratification kind of mindset when it comes to a lot of things in life. But I really feel like this has infiltrated football so much. And maybe it's a result of fantasy football as well. Um, but yeah, is uh, my father-in-law used to always, uh, has always said this, it takes you five years to get good at your job. Like in that, and that's if you're talented at it. Um, and, and not to say that what's your work that you've done in the f- previous five years isn't good work. That's not the point either. Right. But for where you feel like where you're at your a, your a game. And there is so much pressure put on these young players. They come out earlier and earlier at a younger and younger age with less preparation, less time, less practice. um, And into almost impossible situations and the Jets have been such an impossible situation. I look, look, I like Todd Bowles. I did like uh, like him. It was just the Adam Gase. Everybody knew that that was a disaster from the beginning, right? Um, so it really is hard to judge 
is look is that it's just hard to condemn him entirely at this point and to write him off. Um, but I do think it's fair for fans to be, um, you know, re reluctant to just being like, this is going to fix it. Right. Uh, and I understand that point as well. And I think the good news is this, and I continue to say this, is there's a big difference between Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater, and it's a way of acquiring them that was the difference. Three-year deal, financially um, committed to Teddy Bridgewater. And I saw somebody writing this. Uh, who wasn't that wrote this? And I would 100% disagreed with them. And they were talking about how Sam Darnold isn't a long-term solution He's a lotto ticket. I agree with that kind of part. It's like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, no big deal. You weren't counting on it for your income. But he, in this article, and I think it was on Cat Scratch Reader or somewhere like this, maybe it was Cat Crave, that said um, that Teddy Bridgewater was, like, they went into it thinking that they could be done with him after a year. And they were done with him at a, after a year, but not financially in a position to be done with it. They're taking a big, giant hit financially because of a miscalculation with Teddy Bridgewater. This does not run the same financial risk, but it does run the same risk of success, I think. All right, let's keep going through with these calls and powering through. I'm doing as fast as I can for my man, Cody. Hey, guys, this is Tyler from Spruce Pond. Um, so there may not be too many calls about it since it, the news broke on a Monday, um, but I'm calling it Monday night about the Sam Darnold trade. Um, uh, initially I, I was a little pissed off at it, um, because I, like probably everybody else was kind of hoping that we would trade into that number two spot and grab Zach Wilson or, you know, by a miracle, some quarterback would fall to us. Um, but we, you know, we can't count on miracles. And I, I think also you've got to look at Scott Cooter is a brand new GM. I don't know if he's going to want to trade three future first-round picks. Um, in reality, it would be two first-round picks. But at the same time, you know, you're giving up your first-round pick for the next two years. And as a new GM, I don't know that he was wanting to do that. Um, or pay the price, I guess you could say, to move up to number two. But I, I think um, in the situation that we were in, this was the best move that we could have made. Um, Sam Darnold's only 23 years old. He's got upside. You know he's got talent. Um, how much talent, I don't know, but I, I guess it's enough to be drafted at number three overall, I think is what he was. Um, and I'll look at it this way. Uh, Anything is better than Teddy Shitwater, you know? So uh, I'm not mad about it. I'm, ju I'm just glad – that we're not going to be watching next year um, Teddy Shitwater as our quarterback because I don't know if I could have handled the whole season with it. I really don't. Um, not only that, but I saw an article posted, I think it was on The Athletic, that said a fitter told Bridgewater that he would either be traded or they would bring him back on a reduced contract, which means, uh, you know, screw it, we'll cut him and we'll take the dead cap hit. So it's not even a quarterback competition. Sam Darnold has the job. Um, and I know he's got some injury history. Um, and I think uh, best-case scenario, he plays really well and, and balls out kind of like uh, Tannehill did when he went to Tennessee. But worst-case scenario, we're average. And 
an even better scenario, he sucks, uh, gets hurt. We play real, Will Greer for the rest of the year and end up with the number one pick. So um, we have options, I guess. Um, uh, I hope he pans out and does well. Um, and the fact is that he was just on a shit team and um, it comes to fruition. So um, hopefully he plays well with us. Yeah. I think, uh, again, back to a lot of points we've been making with the options, very important uh, for us is that it really opens the draft up for us beyond having to pick a quarterback or or just also punting on the year entirely. Uh, one other thing that um, kind of sticks out to me was, oh, for all the people that continue to talk shit to us, we have taken a lot of flack, Cody, about the Teddy Bridgewater hate for a long you know is that we're just haters 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 never gave him a chance we saw it early enough to where we were criticizing him before there was a lot of people jumping on that bandwagon we saw it early enough to where people were like you know uh i'm not going to name any other panthers uh content creators on youtube but you know people were out there putting five on you know his uh his ability that he's going (laughs) to be the guy he is he is our quarterback i got five on you know there, there are a lot of people that were giving us criticism because we were very critical of him because of two reasons, right? Number one, he wasn't, he didn't look great. Like he, he wasn't like going out there and throwing seven interceptions and losing us the game, but he also wasn't winning the games when he had the game in his hand. So that was one. The second is you guys got to keep in mind we signed him to a three-year deal, cut a very cheap Cam Newton in the offseason, and, and, and to do this, knowing that there was a risk involved with Teddy Bridgewater, right? Teddy Bridgewater, uh, in the second year, he is due so much money this year. We now know, and we can all sit here and say we, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. we knew early enough in the offseason that Teddy Bridgewater was not going to be a significant upgrade over Cam Newton. I have been, you know, quoted on here of saying, I think that Cam Newton is on the back end of his career, and I don't know that he's going to get back to 2015 quality. He would have still been better than Teddy Bridgewater this past year, and that is zero question about it in my mind. Yeah. Um, Somebody um, said, didn't we play Will last year? I don't think we played uh, Will no, last year. No, it was, it was uh, year PJ. PJ yeah, Walker is the only one that didn't, that other than Teddy Bridgewater. I, I do want to just go back and again, like I'm not trying, there is a civil war amongst Panther podcasters and stuff. There's a couple of people that just seemingly always fall on the opposite position I have. I don't even know why. Like it just it feels like it's intentional at some point. Uh, but the the idea is this is that like stop telling I one of them you drop remember he's dropping the N word the, the, the disrespect and all the and the, the disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater and get his name out you know, all of this well you know who's disrespecting more than fucking anybody is the Carolina Panthers not us like they just cut if Sam Darnold is such shit they just told Teddy Bridgewater they would rather eat this shit than deal with your shit. Bro, he said Teddy would have dove on that fumble in the Super Bowl. Oh, God. Crazy. Hey, real quick, uh, I wanted to highlight this uh, uh, this comment, uh, if I can find it here again, because I think that it was a really um, – it was, it was a good comment to highlight, and, of course, now I can't find it. 
but shout out to Richard's Outdoor World. Uh, he brought up Jim Plunkett. And, you know, dude, I'm no football historian, man, so I don't even know who Jim Plunkett is. So I just looked it up, and a part of his Wikipedia is he achieved his greatest professional success during his final eight season with the Raiders franchise, whom he helped win two Super Bowl titles. And shout out to uh, uh, Rich's Outdoor World for bringing that up, man. It's not like this hasn't happened before. Brett Favre, nobody remembers what Brett Favre did for the Atlanta Falcons. Nobody remembers what Drew Brees did for the New Orleans Saints. Or you, the you know, Chargers. Yeah, uh, uh, right, right, for the Chargers, mind you. And, I mean, this is happening. Right, he no, went eleven no, and five. Nobody, dude, nobody is going to ultimately remember anything that Ryan Tannehill did with the Dolphins. Okay, it is possible for a player to rejuvenate their career. Let me tell you this, man. If any of the quarterbacks in this year's draft, yes, I include Trevor Lawrence as a Clemson fan. If any of these players go to the wrong spot. They could easily be with a football team that wouldn't put enough talent around them and could get him absolutely killed. So, again, so I much mean, of Also, think Zach, about what what if uh, Zach Wilson went to the Jets and uh, Adam Gase was still the quarterback, Matt Coach. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it was, I mean the sure. only reason that we don't think that the Jets are dysfunctional anymore is because they got Salah, they've moved on, and they're trying to shed their evil ways. In the past, it seems like but there's been nothing that suggests that they're not dysfunctional anymore, right? The only reason we think Jacksonville isn't a disaster right now is because they've accumulated so many draft picks and and money, and and now they got Urban Meyer and this and that. But there are teams that we, you know, like is anybody starting to think like that the, all of a sudden the Detroit Lions are going to be good this year? No, no, no. You know, and you put all. a top quarterback there. And you know, it, it, you're right. Is it's got to be a marriage of talent and situation a lot of times. Yeah, talent, situation, opportunity, and seizing the moment and capitalizing and achieving on that talent. You know, talent only takes you somewhere. The difference between some of these guys is, uh, you know, maybe you know. To be honest, is Tom Brady doesn't have the talent that some of these other guys is, but he's capitalized on his moments. Drew yeah. Brees maybe didn't have the talent that some of these other guys undersized different things. Russell Wilson, right? Some people got the gamer gene. Um, and and so, you know, it's, it's a lot of different factors and that's what there is intrigue. One of the callers said it earlier, there's going to be some intrigue here going forward to see what happens. And uh, he also said Jim Plunkett was the top draft, a top draft pick also, and had no success with his first team in new England. So it's not, it's not unprecedented. All right. Next call. I don't have to watch. Teddy fucking Bridgewater playing one more goddamn snap for the Panthers. One more fucking drive, you would have snapped DJ Moore's ACL in half. I am just glad to have that man out of here. I don't care about your feelings on Sam Darnold. You at least have to appreciate that we're not going to see fucking Teddy Bridgewater, which is what we might have seen under fucking Marty Hardy. I wouldn't be surprised. But listen, I like Sam Darnold. A lot of people are probably going to be upset by this. I like the move. I think he's got a great arm. I mean, what are your other options? You could get Mac Jones. Fuck that. You could yeah. fucking, uh, you could trade up and give up a bunch of stuff for an unproven guy. And if we could even trade up, I don't even think the 49ers, the Jets, 
the Jags, the Falcons, I don't think we're going to get any of those picks. So I don't think we're going to get any quarterback in the draft. I God knows I don't want to roll with Teddy Bridgewater. And as much as I love PJ Walker, I mean, I was on the first, I was the first one calling in here. I love, I love the guy. I, I fucking hope he does great things, but Sam Darnold's the better quarterback and what? We really gave up a second round pick and some garbage and plus some garbage shit. I mean, I love the move. I'm excited. Robbie Anderson, Joe Brady, we're going to get fucking Panay Stool. We're finally going to have a left tackle. And even if it doesn't work out, he's got two years on a rookie deal. We can just get rid of him and, oh, I'm excited. I don't know. You know, I don't know. There's probably going to be some pessimism out there. I'm excited for Sam Darnold. I really think we could do something special, and I think he has enough potential to really do something here in Carolina. All right, boys. Love the podcast. While Tony pulls it, up, man. while Tony pulls up the next call, I um, I have a question for you, Cody. I know you yeah. haven't done a lot of deep dive. What do you feel like is the upside? First, what is the ceiling for Sam Sam Darnold? Like, what would you com- like? Is it is there a fair comparison for any quarterback, past or present, that that you can say, this is what we hope he can be? Kurt fucking Cousins. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, 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 no. You know what's funny? I, w- I actually, and it's not just because of the Adam Gase thing, I might even say a guy like Ryan Tannehill. I think they're about the same height. They're shifty. You're not necessarily going to run a lot of quarterback power with them. But if you build the offensive line around them and set your offense up to take some well-timed deep shots, Dude, Sam Darnold can do that, and I think Tannehill uh, could do that as well. So, do you think you know, that's the upside? Like, is that is that what we hope he is, or do we hope he is like is that the the ceiling for him? Is that the best you think he is going to be? I is what sure Tannehill? hope not, because I don't. I am not. I think Tannehill is still a middle of the pack quarterback. I don't think he's great. You are. I think he's better than obviously Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't think he's. I don't think he's on the back half of the quarterbacks. But I don't think he's. He is, you know, far from the middle. Like, I think he's very close to being middle-of-the-pack quarterback. So I don't want a middle-of-the-pack quarterback because a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, if you don't have every piece, like the Titans have had pretty much every piece every year since Tannehill's been there, and they've been able to it's succeed. Kind of a hard, isn't it a hard question in some ways is that we really need to see him on a different team. Yeah. Like, yeah. We just need to see him on a different team. If he goes, and and this will be very interesting too, is that if we if he comes out there and looks composed, is running the offense effectively, as in the play calling, it seems like everything's going right. Yes, there's some mistakes, but it doesn't look like they're completely off page or whatever. I got to wonder this, is that all, those were all the things that everybody told me was awesome about Teddy Bridgewater. Right, yeah. it was like, oh, well, he runs the offense, a brand new offense. It's a very complicated offense. He knows all this shit. He's like, he's like, I'm like, no, is that like, I wonder, I just want to know how much is that where we just continued to say that and how much of it was just him doing what he was kind of supposed to do, how much latitude. We'll see. It'll be an interesting thing. We will get to see a big juxtaposition between Darnold in New York and in Carolina, right? So we'll be able to learn a lot about him. But we'll also be able to learn about what were te- what was Teddy Bridgewater's strengths and limitations, as well as this coaching staff's strengths and limitations. And I'll be very interested, Cody, to see what the offense looks what looks different about the offense. Yeah, you know, uh, is that yeah, we talked 100%. about this? Is I continue to say 
you know, you kept telling me how great Joe Brady was in LSU and this and that. And I was like, he's got to prove it here. He did put together a, a competent enough season for me in his first year and at his first job where I was like uh, pretty like I was like I was very happy with it. But at the same time, there wasn't anything very special to me about it. At the You know, like, I mean, it was and it was just a lot of dink and dunk, dink and dunk. They used the pass game like a run game. And a lot of that felt like it was also and you kept telling us he's not using not using a tight end because he doesn't know how to use one. He's not using one because he doesn't got one. He's yeah, not throwing no. the ball downfield because he doesn't know he doesn't want to take yeah. shots. It's because he's not able to do it. Yeah. Right. And, and I said on Twitter today, uh, I think that you are going to see the full dearth of Joe Brady's offensive playbook this year because everyone wanted to blame Joe Brady. Oh, what's with this offense? And da, da, da. I always said it was on Teddy Bridgewater. There were plays that were schemed open that Teddy just missed or even worse, flat out refused to throw. And it was unacceptable. So I don't think Sam is going to have that problem. And I also think one of the things that you're going to see a lot more is you're going to see uh, the Panthers move Sam Darnold out of the pocket because that's something they did a lot with Joe Burrow at LSU. And so, by the way, CK, you asked me who I would compare um, Sam Darnold to. My first initial reaction from a physical standpoint was Joe Burrow. From a physical perspective, like uh, Joe Burrow doesn't have a cannon for an arm. He has a good arm. He trusts his arm. He can make the throws, but he doesn't have an absolute bazooka like Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. I think that once you put uh, Sam Darnold in an offense that's able to scheme their receivers open with guys that get separation downfield, I genuinely do think you're going to see uh, Sam Darnold take a Joe Burrow like jump. I, at least I think don't you he think has he's more mobile? Do so. Don't you think he's more mobile than Joe Burrow? I mean, they're both about the same. They're both mobile. Like, they can both take off and burn you. They, really? Like, Joe yeah. Burrow can? Yeah. I, 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 just, I, I thought he was more of a standard pocket guy. No, even last year with the Bengals, he was uh, he ran in for some touchdowns. All right, I'm going to play the next call. I want you to think about this as we're listening to a call. Uh, you got to listen to the call and think about what they're saying. When did things officially sour with uh, Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers? I have an idea, I think, of the exact moment that they oh. did. Yeah. All right, next call. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is uh, Chase Ebert from High Point, North Carolina. What's up, Chase? I'm a long-time listener for the last couple years, and uh, it's my first time calling in. Just never find the time to. But, you know, just want to talk about everything going on. Um, I'm actually personally really pumped about the Sam Darnold thing and, and the trade. I think it was a steal, if, especially if it ends up working out and he's our quarterback. You know, um, you know he's only 23. He's He's, um, you know, younger than Joe Burrow, and he's the same age as Mac Jones. And I just think it's – long story short, it gives us options. And, you know, our coaching staff is known for turning around a young talent and, and getting the potential out of them. But, you know, that's besides the point. My question is, you know, sitting at eight, obviously we're tackle and, and corner are our number one needs. You know, and knowing how loaded both, both, class, both positions are in this draft class, would it be – you know, say whether you like Stuhl or Slater better or Sertan or J.C. Horn better, would it be better for us taking 
the number one tackle at eight and then getting a corner in the second? Or would it be better getting our number one corner at eight and getting a tackle? In the you know, I, I, I think there's a bigger, there's a bigger gap between the first round corners and the second round corners than there is the first round tackles and the second round tackles. I'm sorry if that all sounds confusing, but you know, personally, I think if Sewell and Sertan are sitting on the board at eight, you gotta go Sewell. But I wouldn't be upset if we went Sertan at eight to get our number one lockdown corner to pair with Dante. And then in the second, you know, get get one of those second round guys uh, at tackle. You know, because I think it'd be easier to mold a tackle than it would a, a number one lockdown corner. Maybe I'm wrong, but I know what you guys think. Love the podcast. Keep it up. It's on you, Cody. Oh, he's actually a mid message. No, my mic was muted. My bad. Uh, so. Yeah, listen, my, I even had this thought today, right? Uh, Pene Sewell, uh, I I love the dude. I've watched a bunch of interviews with him, seeing some stuff about his background. He is a physical freak, dude. They, the Panthers are a better football team with Pene Sewell on it. There is no doubt in my mind. But I did think about this today, man. Okay, you're the Chargers, right? They just drafted Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert and Pene Sewell played together. The Chargers are also looking for a bookend left tackle. I wonder, man, if Pene Sewell fell down to number eight, if the Chargers would be willing to give us maybe a first-round pick next year and a fourth-round pick next year to recoup that fourth, for them to move up for Pene Sewell, maybe the Panthers slide back to 13, pick up J.C. Horn cornerback out of uh, South Carolina. Maybe uh, uh, Patrick Sertan falls that far. And then maybe in the second round, you can go for a guy like Alex Leatherwood or Liam Eichenberg or Samuel Kosme. That, you know, there are options that that uh, we have available to us. So um, especially if it's for the right price um, and if we're not moving too far down, yeah, I would love to trade back, even if it's just a few spaces uh, to pick up another blue chip player. I think that would be awesome. I have some reservations about picking a, a corner um, so high. And and not that, like for me, it's like, it's, it's just so, there's been so many that everybody tells me is going to be freaking awesome. And it's similar to quarterbacks. Like if you went back and looked at the cornerbacks, drafted in the top 10 over the last decade or whatever. I wonder how many of them turned out to be really good. You know, I mean, Patrick Peterson was awesome when he was great. I'm trying to think of some of these other guys were the top 10 picks. And I just feel like there's so much pressure put on a corner as a rookie. It's a hard position to learn. I think, you know, there's so many factors you're going up against guys like Julio and this and that. And you're going against their best player all the time. You're trying to learn the game. So it's easy for me to be disappointed in that. I, I just want to build an offense, man, offensive line. I feel like our defense is going to be able to get pressure enough um, that that our corners will be able to be okay. But I do look, is that either way, we're going to add a blue chipper. And either tackle or corner is something that we've had such a big – need for a quality player we just haven't invested in right uh so that's what excited i asked you guys when do you think the moment about teddy with teddy bridgewater and, and the team soured 
entirely. I still think it goes back to that game. Do you remember in the post game where he like was like, well, the play didn't get called in right. Um, and then I think that was the one where he fumbled the ball on the fourth on the goal line in that game. He also missed Teddy at the end. It might've been the Vikings game. I don't know if it was the Viking game, but it was that one where he called out the play calling and this, he took zero. It was late. Yeah. It was late getting in or yeah. He took zero responsibility. And then the next day he trotted out there. He got an earful from the coaches. I think it was at that moment, Matt Rule and all of them said, we've defended your ass. We made a mistake. Now we're no longer defending you. Um, all right, let's go. Keep well, uh, wait, wait, are you asking us when, when, when our oh, moment yeah, was? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, CK, when, when did you think the moment was? Um, I That's the best answer I could give would be that. If I were going to be trying to give you a different answer, it would be uh, after the third game of the ball being in his hand and, and him not able to pull through and get the game winner, uh, game-winning drive uh, completed. Yeah, Ooh, I, got I, I, one. I think the 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 honest answer is that it's a combination of a bunch of different moments. But if I'm just being honest, like the the first thing that pops out in my mind is that play where he damn near snapped DJ Moore's ACL in half. That's the same one. I'm, I yeah, think yeah, same yeah. And, and then right. he blamed it on everything afterwards. He took zero. Zero responsibility. Zero. And then in one of those post-game press conferences, he was acting like, yeah, I didn't do anything to lose the job. I'm entitled to be the starter. Like, the job is just his. You know, like, uh, like there's nothing that, that could happen to him in that job. Um, and and the, the fact that he would put it on the play call, not coming in, him checking out of the throw to go into a run, dude, just nonsense, man. There um, was one other moment. Do you remember? And it was a game winner. Um, it was a game winning opportunity where um, Joey Sly actually missed the kick. And somehow we were able to move from the 20 and it was going to be a 63 yarder or whatever. And he was just throwing it over the middle the whole time. These short passes. Yeah. And yeah. At, in the press conference, Matt Rule says, that's not the pun of football I want to play. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, all right, um, let's keep going. What's up, guys? It's um, Chase Ebert uh, from High Point again calling. Chase uh, what's up? You know, I think my biggest thing is, is you know, I'm not saying we're going to suck this year because I'm, I'm an optimistic fan, and I think Sam Darnold's going to be awesome. I think he's equivalent to drafting one of these rookies, honestly. I mean, he's he basically spent six years in college, and then we just drafted him uh, at 23 years old. But, um, oh, and boring off season and suck ass, or would you rather have an eventful and exciting off season and suck ass? Pick your poison. Yeah, it's basically saying, hey, if if we might end up sucking ass anyway, at least we've had an off season where the Panthers have been in the talks. We've been in the Deshaun Watson trade now, or you know, in talks about it. Now we actually traded for Sam Darnold. Yeah, the Panthers have really been spoken in this free agency uh, period uh, more than I can ever remember the Panthers ever being talked about, to be frank. All right, here we go. 
What up, Panther Nation? Uh, it's Jason from Colorado. I'm so excited to be calling, to be talking to everybody. I'm filled with hope and joy that is the prospect of the draft and this next season. Um, after just checking that final box, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be seeing Teddy Bridgewater go. Um, the most important thing that I need to talk about is in regards to our new quarterback, Sam Donald, who is the descendant of the legendary American athlete, Dick Hammer. So we have the spawn of Dick Hammer as our quarterback, and I think that should make some excellent T-shirts. But anyway, I do think that Teddy can be traded. I think that Teddy... Um, I think that, that people know that he's good enough to be a backup. I think he's proven that he's good enough to be a backup. I'm, and I think that's what our greatest criticism has always been. Um, I don't know if his psyche can handle that real, reality. He seems to think that he's a starting quarterback. Um, will he be, you know, able to give a, a, a an organization 100% if he's in a backup role? I don't know, but that's for somebody else to decide. But basically, because of the guaranteed money that we have, we have a serviceable backup quarterback who's already getting paid a buttload of money. So I could see a team, you know, being willing to trade a pick for him in that they don't really have to pay him very much. They might be able to even get away with paying him the league minimum because he's already getting paid $20 million from the Panthers. Um, so I could see a team rolling the dice on that, especially uh, maybe – you know, San Francisco called about him earlier. Um, honestly, you know, they may not, they've already traded away a bunch of draft picks, uh, you know, but if we could get a third for Teddy, holy crap, that'd be amazing. For a fourth round, even I'd take a fifth round. Not Any happening. Kind of not happening. To take. I, I don't like TK's idea of, of, um, giving up a pick to offload a contract like the, like the Rams did with Goff, but it could happen. Um, I think that's the only I way that it's going to happen, unfortunately. That, uh, I wonder what you guys think about Adam Gates. Like, do you think that he's completely incompetent, or is he like the Grim Reaper of football teams? Like, do teams bring him in when they know that they're going to have a rough season so that he can, behind a mask of incompetence, give basically give a team no opportunity to succeed in order to accumulate draft picks, trade out the part of the players that you have, and successfully tank an organization? Because I look at Miami. I look at, I mean, they're already on an upswing. I mean, and they're set up for the next couple of years with draft picks. The Jets are stacked with draft picks. All right. Well, that's a wonderful segue. Uh, thanks, Jason, from Colorado, for your call. Uh, followed up the conversation. The last part was about, uh, I guess, the disaster that is Adam Gase and how much of that is a factor in Sam Darnold and, and just destroying teams. And we've got a wonderful uh, resource to help us uh, be informed in that Scott Mason play like a jet podcast. Uh, how'd you guys do in your final four of jets podcast? I saw a lot of Panther fans giving you guys some love. Thank you for that, Tony. Yeah, we actually, we lost in the finals. I mean, in fairness, uh, we lost to um, uh, one of the jet podcasts is co-hosted by Con Rogers, who does a lot of draft stuff. So I'm pretty sure that a lot of the votes were people that are draft fans that have never listened to these shows. So I knew I knew there was no way that we could win that one. But, but we ended up coming in second. 
And I appreciate all the Panthers fans who helped us out in the voting. That's a big accomplishment, though, and you guys have been pounding the pavement. You said uh, three years straight daily? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I do it. Seven days a week. Haven't missed a show. That's awesome. Uh, also, congrats. Uh, one other thing I heard, your read for um, mybookie.ag from Overtime is the one they use for the whole network. Did you know oh, that? Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I was like, hey, that's Scott. I was like, damn, that's Scott reading that. Um, all right, we uh, we traded you guys a sixth this year, uh, a second and a fourth for Sam Darnold, who was on the outs. We, I mean, it was the writing was on the wall that uh, he wasn't going to be with the Jets anymore. We have quibbled and debated about the cost of this uh, um, uh, among Panther fans. Some Panther fans are are low on it, but a lot of us are optimistic about a new page, a new leaf, new opportunity for him. And really, uh, the excitement for us is that it just alleviates some pressure for us in the draft is because it just there was so much pressure on us to get a quarterback in the draft. And this if if we get one, uh, so be it. If we don't, we can kind of punt the situation with still believing there's some opportunity uh, going forward with a young player trying to, with a chip on his shoulder, trying to make a, a a new name for himself. So tell us, what are we getting with Sam Darnold? I know that you did not want to bring him back. And I think that's part just because the situation was untenable for me. That's what I'm thinking. But tell us, what are we getting in uh, Sam Darnold? How bad or how bad is he? And can he be good? <laughs> so, I mean, here's what I'll say. The good is that Sam Darnold has tremendous ability. I mean, he can make incredible throws on the run, off-platform, and you've seen the best of him in spurts during plays, the occasional game. The problem is he's incredibly erratic, and a lot of the weaknesses that he had coming in the league either never got fixed or got worse. His footwork is terrible, and I don't just mean – when the play breaks down, I mean, in a clean pocket, his footwork is terrible. Uh, intermediate passing, he needs a lot of work. His deep ball is a rat. So there, there's some stuff to like there, but I think what it really comes down to is when you watched his tape in 2020 specifically, there were a ton of times where you would see open receivers, and I mean like legit open. And there'd be maybe more than one. There could be two or three open receivers. I remember there was one play we were looking at. Uh, my friend Michael Manny had charted every single play that Darnold did because he's a maniac. And there was one play specifically that I remember where if you freeze frame it, he had three open receivers. And instead of throwing to one of them, he ended up getting sacked behind the line of scrimmage. So <laughs> there, there was a lot of And the, the problem is, like, you don't know – how much of this falls on Gase, how much of this falls on the organization for not surrounding him with talent, and how much of this falls on Donald himself. Because the other thing is, while he spent three years being a, a, well, below, a well below average quarterback, the question, of course, becomes, can he be turned into a lot more than that? We've never really seen a guy go from as bad as he's been to what everybody expected him to be. People cite Ryan Tannehill 
But Tannehill was more of a, let's say, 15th to 18th best quarterback. Like he was like sort of middle of the pack type of guy and took a, a, a step up. Arnold would have to go from being one of the worst in the league to being one of the best in the league for him to live up to expectations. I think it's possible that maybe – I think when he was coming in the league, what I said was he, he his downside could be a more athletic, more mobile Vinny Testaverde, and that might be where he's headed, which isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, Vinny wasn't a terrible quarterback. He just was, you know, a bit of a journeyman, and he can make some incredible plays. But then, of course, you know, there'd be times where you'd be like, what was he looking at? What was he throwing? So I think what this comes down to is, from what I understand, Matt Rule loved Darnold. And he was a big part of the reason why Rule almost took the job here in 2019 before they ended up saddling Darnold with Gase. The irony of it is they didn't hire Rule or talks broke down because Rule wanted his own guy as offensive coordinator and the organization wasn't comfortable with who rule had picked, which is, I think he was a quarterback's coach somewhere at the time. And they wanted a more established offensive coordinator. They ended up hiring Gase as the head coach and we saw what happened. So the question is how much of this is Darnold? How much of this is the other guys? And can it be fixed? And like I said, especially this year, he just looked completely lost out there. I mean, just horrible. Couldn't see receivers, didn't throw to wide open receivers, took too many sacks, terrible turnovers. I, I mean, the first two years, you at least saw pockets of what you thought he could be. This year, other than that one Braxton Berrios throw that they keep showing over and over again, it was few and far between. So I think what this comes down to is Rule clearly still believes in him. And obviously, Joe Brady must also. And what I've been saying, and I know Damian Woody said this as well, if Joe Brady can take Darnold and get him anywhere near where he was expected to be when the Jets drafted him, he's going to be a head coach in 2022, and the Panthers will look like geniuses because they got a 24-year-old quarterback who ended up becoming, you know, even look, even if Darnold becomes a solid to good starter for what they gave up, not bad. So that's really what it comes down to for me. Can you take a guy who was this bad, take the tools that you know that he has and fix him? Or is he too far gone now? Is he too shell-shocked from the 38 starts that he's had that were mostly poor? My so, la- I'm going to turn the mic over to the guys. My question that before that is, uh, what did you guys ask of Sam Donald, though? Did you add, and, and I, I haven't watched the Jets as closely. Um, but uh-huh. the, the idea is that uh, a quarterback comes in at the top pick, top three, right. to a bad team, then gets a new coach that's bad. The whole organization seemed just a mess. Everybody tells us the offensive line was atrocious and, and was still atrocious given the fact that you got an awesome tackle last year in the draft. Um, not a lot of talent at receiver. I, I'm not trying to um, you, know, you know make excuses, but – what did you ask of Darnold in those three years as a quarterback for the team? Well, that was sort of what I was getting at before. That's what the question is here. It's how much of this is Darnold just not being as good as we thought, or how much of this is he didn't have enough surrounding talent, he got bad coaching, and so on and so forth, because there's two schools of thought here, right? One school of thought is, 
how good is any quarterback, especially a young quarterback coming in the league, going to be if he is surrounded by a bad offensive line? Although this past year it was better, but still not great. And if he doesn't have, you know, top-notch weapons around him. Now, the funny thing is the best receiver that he had or, or the one that he probably put up the best numbers with is the guy that you guys have now in Robbie Anderson. So that'll be interesting. But I think that that really is the question is, you know, he, we all know he wasn't – the Jets did him no favors, right? They didn't put him in a great position to succeed. As you said, the O-line, especially his first two years, was really bad. The receivers, I mean, I'll put it this way. They weren't great. They weren't necessarily as bad as some people have said, but they weren't really all that impressive. We didn't have a great running game, and, and to be fair, part of that is because of the offensive line. Le'Veon Bell never got going behind there, and really nobody did during Darnold's time. So you put all that together, and we all know what a disaster Gase was. Gase ran a, a terrible offense for Darnold. So all of that plays in, and that's why I, I think that so many teams were interested. From what we heard, up to eight teams had called the Jets. That's a quarter of the league. So there were certainly decision makers and coaches and stuff who looked at this and said, I could get something out of this guy. Look at how poorly he was coached. Look at how poorly he was surrounded. But again, we come back to if he was really as good as we were expecting him to be, even if that stuff around him was bad, he wouldn't have been this bad, right? Like he wouldn't have been, he was statistically the 33rd worst quarterback in the league in 2020. So that's really the question. Plus also there's the issue of the regression his third year. Can he be pulled back from that? That That's really where you're at right now is you have to figure that out. And again, I think rule and I think that, that Brady are betting that they can fix him and that all the stuff that we saw especially the last four games of his rookie year and everything that, that everybody loved about him coming into the league, that they can still get that out of him. And look, I don't think it's a terrible gamble on their part because realistically, even with picking up the, the fifth-year option, so it's basically a two-year, $24 million deal. It's not a terrible flyer for a guy with Darnold's kind of talent, especially since, as you said, Tony, if you go into the draft – Odds are that you're not going to be able to get one of those quarterbacks. And I'm sure they made that calculation. That's why they made this move. Because if they felt like they could get one of the quarterbacks they wanted, they would have just done that at number eight. Or if they felt like they could have moved up, they would have just done it. So the question is, would you rather Darnold or maybe like Kellen Mond in the second round? And I think most people would say Darnold absolutely has more talent than somebody like Kellen Mond. So you get him on a two-year trial. If Brady and Rule are right about him, then you guys are well on your way at quarterback because he's only 24. If they're wrong, all right, well, you didn't have much right now because I know, Tony, you can't stand Teddy Bridgewater. And look, my thought on Bridgewater is I wouldn't mind having him back here as a backup for the new guy. I think he's a steady Eddie. He's not going to kill you. He's not the guy that you want to hitch your wagon to in 2020 or 2021 in the passing game because – He's pathologically conservative. Somebody once said he's almost <laughs> like the illegitimate child of Alex Smith, the way he plays. So I think when you think about it from that perspective, if you're the Panthers, this wasn't a bad roll of the dice. It really wasn't. And I wanted to kind of pinpoint on Adam Case for a minute. I think you can admit as well as any Jets fan could, 
Adam Gase is especially terrible at his job. Yeah. I mean, it is uh-huh. literally, it is literally known that players leave his coaching tutelage, go somewhere else, and dude, they just start living their best life, man. They're they're out there making plays and just you know, it's like they have a new life uh, 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 that pops up into them. My question is this: How much of Sam Darnold? You know, you said there were there was a play where there were three receivers open, and he just didn't hit any of them. Well, I never saw that on his film at USC. I mean, yeah, he missed some throws here and there, but for the most part, Sam Darnold, his issue was just being reckless with the football, not necessarily being inaccurate, but just throwing into double coverage, um, holding on to the mm-hmm. ball too long. But inaccuracy right. wasn't – that wasn't ever really Sam Darnold's thing. So to hear you say that he regressed in 2020, to me that mm-hmm. kind of seems like further evidence that – he didn't have a quarterback coach. He was under Adam Gase, and he didn't have a ton of perimeter weapons. So, mm-hmm. with that, with that said, do you think there's some truth that Sam Darnold just never felt confident, never felt comfortable, and he was even playing below his uh, his means in that final year up there in New York? Oh yeah, there's no question. Uh, but but that really comes back to what I was saying. We know Gase was terrible. We know that Gase didn't do anything positive for him and and really did a lot negative for him. We know that the front office didn't do a lot to surround him with anything more than, at best, eh, talent. Because I would say the receiving core when those guys were healthy this year, Mims, Perriman, and Crowder, it's not great, but it's not the worst I've ever seen. Or even when it was Crowder and Robbie Anderson last year, again, not great, but I've seen worse. But the question is, can Darnold be salvaged from what he's been turned into into what people thought he could be when he was at USC? Because like you said, he didn't seem he seemed much more decisive there. And and he just seemed a lot of times to be shell shocked. And like I said, if you go and look at his 2020 tapes, 18 and 2019, there was a lot of you know, I guess you would say inconsistency. There were some times where he flashed and you're like, wow. And then there were times where you're like, oh, what what was that? 2020, there were very few flashes and it was like 95%. Oh, what, what was he doing right there? So the question is, is he a guy who can still have that potential dragged out of him and become a good quarterback? Or is he just a bad quarterback who flashed? And that's right. kind of what has to be figured out here. It, it, again, this is the gamble that Rule and Brady are taking. They're taking the gamble that Darnold is actually a good quarterback who had all these bad circumstances, and that's why he didn't play well, as opposed to, yeah, bad circumstances, but also Darnold wasn't good. So that's really what this comes down to. It, it all comes back to how much do you believe that the player can still persevere after three years of subpar performances and how much of it was his fault, how much of it can a new coaching staff and new weapons fix. What was wrong with the when you said Gase didn't right have the right offense for him? What was wrong with it? 
I mean, there were a lot of times, if you looked at there wasn't a lot of motion in the offense for starters. In fact, there's practically none until um, until we saw Dowell Loggins, the challenge flag master, take over for a couple of games. And magically, we saw a little bit of that. There was also Darnold's biggest strength is him being able to get out on the move. And a lot of times, Gase would, would try to have him in the pocket, and that generally wouldn't go as well. He, he's also somebody that, um, you know, when things were going poorly in 2019, as an example, they should have leaned a lot more on Le'Veon Bell as a receiver. And I don't just mean catching balls out of the backfield. I mean, physically using him as a receiver in mismatches. They never did any of that. Uh, you know, they, they didn't do Darnold any favors by heavily relying on Frank Gore getting, you know, two yards per carry or whatever like that and putting a ton of pressure on Darnold to be in a lot of these third and long situations. I think in 2019, he might've led the league in third and longs. So there were a lot of things that Gase did that just didn't play to Darnold's strengths and put him in very difficult positions. So there's no question at all. And no Jets fan would say otherwise that Gase was terrible overall and terrible for Darnold. So that that's one thing that I guarantee you was a big part of this conversation with uh, Rule and Brady and and uh, the general manager there, Scott Fitterer, who, by the way, the Jets almost hired uh, instead of Joe Douglas. I heard they really liked him. He might have even been their runner-up for the job if Douglas hadn't taken it. But I'm sure those conversations included, okay, we're, we've watched this tape, and we can't believe how badly Gase misused this guy. If we use him A, B, and C, we think we can get much better production out of him. Is it really true he didn't have a quarterback quarterbacks coach? Yeah, Gase himself was the quarterback's coach. He had Dowell Loggins as the offensive coordinator, but Gase really did everything himself. So uh, at one point, Gase turned the play calling over to Dowell Loggins toward the end of the season, but he took it back at some point too. He had no quarterback coach. That was an ongoing joke. We were saying, how could you be that foolish and that stubborn that this guy is so bad and you're supposed to be a quarterback guru, and you don't see what's right in front of your face, that you need a real quarterback coach. It was embarrassing. Scott, let me ask you this, and this will probably be my final question to you about Darnold. Just give me your honest opinion, man. Don't don't tell us what we want to hear. Just if you had a gun to your head, uh, your honest opinion, does Sam Darnold turn it around in Carolina? Here's what I'll say. As a Jets fan, as Tony said, I did want the Jets to move on from Darnold, but there's a couple of reasons why. The first one is that the Jets are picking second, so they have the opportunity to get a really good quarterback prospect right. now. If they brought Darnold back on the final year of his deal, then you don't know. If he's bad, what happens then? Or even if he's better but not great, then Too you good don't of a know what class. to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't know what the quarterback class is going to look like. And you also don't, it, let's say Darnold improves, but not a ton. Do you extend them? Do you let him walk? What do you do? So they were going to be in a tough situation. I thought because of where they were picking, absolutely, it was time to move on. Now, what I had also said, I think, Tony, last time we talked was if, I, if the Jets were, say, sitting at number 12, right? I would say roll with Darnold. Because you're not going to get one of those top prospects without giving up an insane haul like the 49ers did, right? And at that rate, you're like, okay, new coaching staff, new system. Let's see what he can do. 
maybe he's not going to be an elite quarterback, but maybe he can get to middle of the pack. And that's kind of what I think might happen here. I think he's definitely going to be better. No question. There's better weapons. And I'm not saying Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady's gotten a little too hyped, but he's clearly a million times the offensive mind that Adam Gase is. So I think (laughs) between Brady and Rule and the weapons around him, especially Robbie, because he's very comfortable with Robbie Anderson and, and a better offensive line and Christian McCaffrey, if he's healthy, You'll see an improved Darnold. Now, the question for me is how much improved right. is he going to yeah. be? Yeah, that's yeah. the same is, what we're asking he, too. Right. And so I think that if it's possible that he could – I think I heard Dan Hansis from the Around the NFL podcast say that he could be a plus version of Andy Dalton in his prime, which I don't think is terrible. I think Andy Dalton was a solid quarterback in his prime. If Darnold could be a more athletic – um, you know, more a, a better out of structure type of quarterback than Dalton out of the pocket, especially for what the Panthers gave up. That's not terrible for a guy at 24 years old. So if I if I were to bet, I would say he's not going to ever get to where we all thought he would be. Like a lot of us thought he could be a top 10 or even top five quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think that with the right coaching and the right weapons around him, there's at least a chance he could be maybe what like Miami version of Ryan Tannehill was like a top 15 to 20 quarterback. And again, if that happens, he's better than what you had with Bridgewater and he at least gives you something to work with. And and maybe from there he can get even better. So yeah. uh, look, I don't know. I think there's also a, a fair chance that he's just too far gone. There's absolutely. Cause if you watch his 2020 film, there's some stuff you see on there and you're like, Ooh, Gase didn't tell him to not throw to a wide open receiver 15 yards down the field and instead spin away and take a two yard sack. Like that's not on Adam Gase at that point. So there's a lot of concerning stuff and he very well could just be suffering from David Carr syndrome or whatever. But that's the scariest thing that you could hear Yep, because that guy was good and he got sacked 73 times. And he went like I I firmly believe if he's sitting in the movie theater and big fat men walk in, he pees his pants. Like I mean, he sees big fat guys and he is in fear, bro. Um, and he was ruined. He was ruined. There was no coming back. It was like the kicker from Tampa Bay that they drafted. Yeah. And he got the yips. Yep. It's just like, yeah, that is a tough question. It's like we better get a sports psychologist on the show. Uh, to figure it out. Uh, CK, you got any questions? Because I only got one left, and we'll get uh, Scott. I know he's got a lot of work to do still. Yeah, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, first start out by saying I think that this was, uh, and I think a lot of people will agree, a win win for the Jets and the Panthers, right? The Panthers didn't have to sell the farm, like give up three years of draft picks to move up for a quarterback that still very possibly could not, you know, might not work out. Or Which, take time, or take yeah. significant time to work yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and what we did instead is we are still taking an equally, if not you know, less likely gamble. Right? It's not as impactful for our our bottom dollar, but it's also not as likely to pan out as the top five uh, quarterback in, in in the draft is. But we didn't have to mortgage our, our our organization for the next three years to do so. So I think that made a lot of sense. But my question is more about the compensation you did receive, there's a, there's a two-parter here. Number one, mm-hmm. are you satisfied with the compensation you got as, as a Jets organization? Um, 
or and, and if you are, you know, if, if you are not, what would you have preferred to see happen or were you expecting even less? And then the the second is, uh, are you mad that you guys didn't get the uh, trade? Were you would you have been pissed off had you traded back like the, the Miami Dolphins did for a similar, if not better haul? Uh, all right. So first part of that, I, I'm definitely happy with what they got. I wasn't so sure they were going to get a second rounder. My friend Nick Spano over at U Stadium was insisting all along that his sources within the Jets were telling him that they were confident they were going to get a second rounder. And I thought after the 49ers made that move, because we had heard the 49ers were the most aggressive team with Darnold, that that ship probably sailed and that maybe they were going to get a third round pick. A, a two, a four, and a six seems like pretty good value to me, especially considering that they were moving on and going in a different direction. So I'm all for that. I wouldn't have wanted to trade down. And I, I, I think a lot of the reason why is what I was saying before, which is the Jets are in a position now to grab a really good quarterback prospect. And again, in 2022, who knows? Like, there, yeah, there could be a guy like, look, we know every year there seems to be somebody that jumps out of nowhere to become a top prospect, right? Zach Wilson is the guy this year. Last year it was Burrow, Baker Mayfield one year. So you go throughout all of these drafts and there's always that one guy that comes at Carson Wentz, right? That comes out of nowhere and becomes one of the top draft picks. So you could say that that could happen next year, but the way I look at it is you don't know where you're going to be picking next year. You have no clue. If you end up picking 10th, then if you want a quarterback, you have to end up giving up, like you said, you know, years worth of draft picks to get to where you are right now where you don't have to do that. You can just pick the guy you like if you like him, and that's the end of it. So I think that the best move by far is what they did, which is to stay at two, and I assume pick a quarterback, and it looks like it's probably going to be Zach Wilson. So th- are that you happy would be – yeah, that was gonna be my question. Who's yeah. the guy? Yeah, I, I that's who I would take too. I I've done a lot of work on a lot of these quarterbacks, just you know, watching the film, but also mostly calling around and talking to people that have covered them or that have, I even, you know, I spoke to teammates and stuff like that. I had Mason Wake, who is the fullback for BYU on the show. I, I I've done a couple of different shows that are gonna be coming out over the next couple of weeks. And what I can tell you is the thing about Zach Wilson that I love is that People have for some reason decided that because he comes from money, that must be a black mark, like he's a spoiled brat or something like that. From everything that I've heard from people I've talked to, he's the exact opposite of that. And the funny thing is having money actually probably worked to his advantage in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect because he's so driven. He's so obsessed with being the absolute best. And when you combine that and his work ethic with the financial means to get the absolute best coaching and the best training available, that's when you are able to turn into one of the top quarterbacks in the entire country. And, and there's so many stories that I have heard about you know, him working. Like He was 5'10", 150 pounds as a high school junior. And one of the guys that ran one of these camps told his father, your son's a quarterback. I mean, he's 150 pounds. And from there, he was determined to put on weight, put on muscle. And I don't know if you saw this, but at the combine, he had been telling everybody he was 215 pounds and no one believed him. He weighed in at 215 pounds. 
you, you go through, um, you know, driving six hours to go work out with John Beck during the pandemic, back and forth, working on all kinds of different things. In fact, he specifically worked with John Beck on how to throw with bad footwork because he doesn't want to throw with bad footwork, but he wanted to be able to do it if he was in a position where he was forced into a spot where his feet weren't good. So, you know, you look at that, you look at his pre-snap recognition, you look at the way that he reads defenses, how he processes quickly, his accuracy, his ability to throw into tight windows, to get out of the pocket and make off-platform throws. I think he really is a, a phenomenal quarterback prospect, and I know a lot of people have called him a one-year wonder. It's not really true because his freshman year, he was very, very good. He came in, I think it was mid-October. His first game was a win against Hawaii. He played really well that year. His sophomore year, before that season, he had a surgery to repair a torn labrum. Two weeks before the season started, he couldn't throw 15 yards on a fly. And I think it was around the beginning of November, he ended up having surgery on his throwing hand. And then magically, his junior year, when he was healthy again, he picked up where he left off his freshman year. So I think a lot of people need to understand that that sophomore year was because of the injuries. I, I have a friend who actually contributes to both the show and playlikeajet.com. His name is Dr. Steven Stoller, 35-year orthopedic surgeon, and he's done a ton of surgeries on sports injuries. And what he told me when I asked him if he'd be concerned is he said, no, torn labrum, no big deal. Drew Brees played on it and played 15 Hall of Fame seasons. So, yeah, that's who I would pick. I'm, I'm definitely pleased with that. I think it makes a lot of sense. And listen, if the Jaguars want to shock the world and take Wilson, I'd be plenty happy with Trevor Lawrence too. <laughs> What's the Jet Blue conspiracy? And then we'll oh, let you go. tell us about oh, this. Oh, the quick. Jet Blue, the Jet Blue. This is my favorite thing. I love this so much. You guys are going to crack up at this. So Zach Wilson, I said before, he comes for money, right? So his uncle is the founder of Jet Blue. So. There are people on like Jets Twitter who started talking about because a lot of people have been pumping up Zach Wilson. And then you started hearing people saying, oh, the Jet Blue money is getting to people. And there were there were actually people pushing this idea that Jet Blue was paying people off to say nice things about Zach Wilson on social media and even on TV. So like every time like I remember when Chris Sims came out and said, oh, he's my number one quarterback. And I was joking, like, damn it, JetBlue got the Sims, you know? And then when I was pumping them I up, I was that. like, JetBlue, where's my money? Where's my money, JetBlue? So, yeah, it's, so it's obviously, hilarious. Obviously, JetBlue is responsible for the Justin Fields doesn't like football take. Uh, <laughs> uh, also you, with that. You, All right. You want my own theory on that real quick, Tony? Sure. The, the Justin Fields. My personal theory is that that was probably a scout or two who uh, is on it, who, who's with a team that wants fields and is hoping to drive down his stock. That's my own personal. Pat McAfee. <laughs> yeah, I believe yeah, it. Right. I believe it. All right, great stuff. Scott Mason, play like a jet. Tell them where they can find your podcast and find you on Twitter. Absolutely. Boys, a pleasure as always. Love talking to you. I'm happy to come on anytime you want. And uh, if the jet, if the jets end up uh, trading some, one of Donald's favorite guys over there, you know, we're, Certainly talk about that, too. And I'm looking forward to uh, joining you guys for a bit on draft night. Uh, so everything's over at playlikeajet.com. We got written stuff. We got our YouTube channel now. A lot of cool stuff. 
We're gonna do a lot of things with U Stadium coming up. So I'm, I'm I know those guys. Is Frankie Vitterini still with them? He sure is, man. Him yeah, and I Nick know, are uh, the co-founders. I know Frankie. Yeah, those guys. Those guys are awesome. I'm looking forward to doing stuff with them. And then the podcast, as I said, somehow I've been doing it seven days a week for what is it over three years now. You can find it on anywhere that you download podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Apple, all of that. And you just type in play like a jet. You'll find it. Uh, even if you're not a Jets fan, we're doing a ton of draft coverage. So even if you just want to hear about certain prospects that might fit certain systems or, you know, because you guys are running, I guess, the, the Sean Payton offense. And the Sean Payton offense is different from what the Jets are going to be running. But there's some similarities. So We'll talk about a lot of these prospects and, and a lot of draft stuff. So even if you're not a Jets fan, there could be some fun things for you. Uh, and and also, oh, I should bring this up. I have tons and tons and tons of podcasts about Sam Darnold. So if you want to <laughs> dive into that, absolutely. And in fact, Tony, what I'll do for you, uh, if you want, I'll at some point after I get off uh, the air with you guys, I'll start going through some old links and I'll send you some stuff that we've done on Darnold. Uh, so if you, if you and your audience want to have a listen to it, you, you know, you're more than welcome. I have even heck, heck I've even got stuff from when Darnold was drafted. We went through his USC tape. So a lot of stuff there. If you guys are interested in diving in on that. All right. Sounds great, man. Thanks again, Scott, man. And you have a good one. Keep up the great work. Thanks guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right, that's rest. Scott Mason, play like a jet. All right, guys, let's power through. We got to get back to the calls and go. Go, 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 according to Cody. It's your boy, Jay Anthony. David Tepper is a clown ass, man. It, man, we gone from Cam. He's talking about, I want a Super Bowl type of quarterback. Dude, you had one with Cam. Then you went and trade. Then you went and you release him. And you got Teddy Bridgewater, and now Sam Donner. I just not a believer in Sam Donner. Sam Donner has not shown me anything since college. And I know a lot of people was like he was great in this in his first year starting, but man, if you look at that second year, he was not that dude. He was a turnover machine once. Once everybody started doing film on him and figuring out him, he he was not that dude. I don't see the glory in him. I don't see nothing. And everybody want to say that he went to the Jets. He, oh, Adam Gates slowed him down, blaming on Adam Gates. And I'm not saying Adam Gates is, is a great coach or nothing like that, but Man, if you that good of a quarterback, you can overcome a bad coach. I have seen players like that. We had a guy like Cam Newton who overcome bad a bad you know a bad some um, a bad OC and Mike Shula. Mike Shula was terrible at OC. I ain't care if he had the number one. We all know when the Panthers you know was the number one um was the number one offense. We all know it was it was because of Cam, not Shula. I don't Shula know. Was, Shula was good Shula that year. Play calling was so predictable and stuff like that. When when Cam had Rob, Cam had Rob in North Camden. It doesn't didn't matter what OC had. Cam and Cam and flowing. Yeah, I don't see point. Sam Donald as that dude, man. You know, and I know some. I heard some people saying like, "Hey, 
they probably still get a quarterback. I still think it's dumb. It might be, I mean, it might be a backup plan if just in case they don't get Lance or Fields and stuff like that. Still, like, you, you did, David Tepper, he did dumb from the get-go. It's like the only good decision he had since being in Arizona was on the other side of this, not the football side of this. I appreciate the call, Jay Anderson, man. I do want to, uh, you know, I got to say is that, uh, boy, Scott took the wind out of our sails. The calls are are, are trying to bring dampen the hope uh, springs eternal attitude. And but they bring up a lot of good points and those points are fair. Cody, I'll ask you this is but right before we move on to the next question. Um, if this works out, it's it's brilliant, right? Yeah, yeah if, I, it's, it's yeah. If this fails, though, this is two consecutive failures under the Matt Rule regime when it comes to quarterbacks and misplays, potentially. What then do we take away after that, I guess? Does he get a pass because it's two different GMs? Mm. I don't think so. I think that it's starting to be a pattern then. Yeah. Listen, he doesn't have a very long leash. And I I said this yesterday – I think that's part of what benefits us is that Sam Darnold has to know all the criticism that people have of him. Like in today's world, you don't just stay away from all the hot takes on not even just on Twitter, but on TV as well from all the news shows of all the analysts just trashing you. Uh, If this is able to pan out for us, it might be one of the best trades in NFL history. That's on the highest end. But that's if he is able to really, really hit his potential. Um, you know, if not, then he doesn't have a very short leash here. So um, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see how it, how it pans out. But uh, I think him having a chip on his shoulder bodes well for Panthers fans because he's coming in here with something to prove. Yep. All right. Next call. Hey guys, this is uh, John from PA, a uh, long-time listener, uh, first-time caller. Love the show. A big fan of what you guys do. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. I want to my take on, uh, you know, the big news of the day um, and the week, the backup defensive backs we just signed today. Um, no, but obviously on the Darnold trade. So I think it was a good move for them. I think it was a low, relatively low risk. I think we can, you know, debate on whether a second round next year is too much, but you know, ultimately it, it pales in comparison to, um, you know, what it would cost to trade up in the draft either, you know, go up to three when that was a possibility or go up to, you know, five. Um, so I think, you know, it's pretty low risk and it'll be uh, hopefully a high payoff, uh, you know, if we can surround him with an offensive line and he's already got way better weapons than he did in New York. So, you know, we'll see how that, uh, that pans out. Um, but I'm curious to see too what we do in the draft now. I think this, you know, obviously gives us the luxury to sit at eight and just see what happens. Um, you know, I think I'm of the mindset that if Fields or Lance is, is there at eight, I think we should still take them. Um, you know, I think it's not the worst case if we have two, you know, two good quarterbacks in, uh, you know, in training camp. You know, I'd get rid of him. I'd get rid of Bridgewater. I'm not uh, counting him in that category. Um, but, you know, I think that wouldn't be the problem. And I think that kind of, uh, you know, gives us a, gives us a backstop, you know, if Darnold's not the answer, 
in two years, we're in the same place we are now. So I think if Fields or Lance is there at eight, we still got to grab them, let them compete, um, you know, and hopefully one of them works out. I think if that's the case, then, you know, we got to build up the offensive line in the second and third rounds for sure, um, you know, give them some support. Uh, with that being said, I don't think they're going to be there. So I think the next best option is to take, um, you know, hopefully Penny Sewell. I think he's the best line prospect in the draft. Um, maybe Rashawn Slater if he's not available, um, or Kyle Pitts. And, you know, if none of those guys are there, I'd be happy to, you know, trade down and, uh, accumulate some draft capital. So, you know, I think the risk is that if Darnold, if Darnold doesn't pan out, then, um, you know, we're in the same situation. So that's why I'd be still be willing to, you know, take a quarterback and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, love you guys. Uh, keep pounding. Uh, as Jim Rome would say, rack them. Uh, great uh, introduction to the podcast. Uh, I got to just agree with all the points, and particularly one that has to do with picking a quarterback at eight if it's still there. If it's there, this is why it was, this was move was necessary. If it's there, we get to take it. If it's not there, we don't have to force it. Uh, Cody, what's this uh, big uh, shout out to Can You See My Armpit $5 Love Bomb? He also uh, says this I threw 18 TDs. My, this is a cool question. I will, I will, please do this for me like uh, once a month. Can you see my armpit? I like this. I threw 18 TDs, 12 interceptions my first year as a starter, 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions my second, and 23 and 12 picks my third. Who am I? I just wrote Cam Newton because. I didn't know who else to write. Does anybody have any guesses? And who is it? it it's not Sam Donald. No, I know uh, it's not Sam Donald. Yeah, it's not Sam Donald. Um, it's not Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's never had more than uh, 15 touchdowns in the season. So I don't know. No. Uh, oh. This is Tom Brady. Uh, is that real? Damn. I don't know, man. That's a... Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't. Have, first, I wouldn't have thought Tom Brady. His first season as a starter, he was um, a game manager. He was a game manager. He came in as a backup, and their defense won that 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 entire year for them. Like it wasn't. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't losing the game. He had still had that game. He had that baller mentality. He was still able to come in and be very clutch. Um, you know, as is evident in his uh, his run in the in the uh, Super Bowl. But um, yeah, Tom Brady. I mean, he he's. Still, like he he didn't have incredible figures, and then once that confidence was building up, you started to see something change for him. So yeah, it's it's actually pretty interesting. All right, let's go to the next call. I'm sitting here listening to the impromptu show yesterday. Uh oh. And Tony, I know stuff happened with the computer and all that, but what it sounds like you are on a grammar homeboy. I mean, you got like twenty twenty. Because they're getting rid of Petty, and win for Donald because he's getting a fair a fair shake 
at the NFL thing. I mean, we, we've seen it time and time again, like you guys are talking, Adam Gase. I mean, was Peyton really knew what he was talking about when he endorsed Adam Gase? I don't, I don't know. It seems to be like people go on and have better careers. And, and the big thing I'm seeing is the, the feel, the temperature of all this is optimism. You see all these Panther players and the players, uh, Robbie, uh, you see all the fan base. Everybody's optimistic. I've not seen too many people excited. Like it's somebody even alluded to this being like, oh, a starting quarterback got traded, yawn. Like this is huge news. Everybody's kind of optimistic, want to see what happens, but nobody's really excited. I, I'm optimistic. Is the Teddy Bridgewater at, at the helm? But man, this seems like a, a slightly more than lateral step up. I'm not super excited about it. I, I like our coaching staff, and everybody craps on their jets. Uh, like Good Morning Football is crapping all over the Jets this morning, uh, going over what's happening, and Adam Gates is a bunch of hate. I, homie's going to get on the commissioner exempt list just to be a second coach. But I, I'm sure it's going to be the only thing talked about tonight, but that's, those are my thoughts. All right, thanks for your call. Um, can you see my armpit says my point with the super chat systems make players until players can make themselves better? That's a great point. You know, as Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady to start. He had a winning yeah. type of gene, but he was put on a in, in, in a remarkable situation, right? Like he when it comes to that Super Bowl team that beat the Panthers, he wasn't. Uh, or the year before, like, I mean, he was just not, he had a good defense. He had a lot of weapons. You know I mean? It was a good situation, good coaching. Um, I, and to the caller about the, I'm sorry about the audio. I wasn't even using my computer. I was having to try to use my phone as the conduit. And uh, that's what it was. All right. Um, let me just check this chat real quick. Uh, all right. Um, next call. By the way, that's why I'm in my. That's why I'm playing these calls through my telephone right now, and I'm locked up in my wife's former bedroom. Look, her name's on the wall. Still, Um, first thing I want to touch on is you guys brought up the whole Deshaun Deshaun Watson thing last week, the whole legal thing, and that sort of thing. Now, granted, charges are officially being or it's officially being investigated. Whatever. As someone who's been through the legal process, not for sexual assault, for some other thing that I'm not going to go into, okay, everyone around you who doesn't believe you believes the other person and then in turn drops you like a sack of potatoes, okay? On top of that, in today's day and age, you are basically guilty until proven innocent. Gone are the days where you are innocent until proven guilty. Welcome to social media. That's a good point. At the end of the day, you are looked at like you are guilty until you prove your innocence. All right? I forget everything that was was said last week, but judging by my own personal case that I had gone through, granted, five years ago, six years ago at this point, I basically had to 
plead for my innocence, even though there was enough facts already on the table to prove that I was innocent. So I just wanted to throw that out there, okay? And on top of that, things don't have to necessarily add up for someone to be found guilty. It, it's all in how everything is presented, okay, and how basically everybody's feeling that day. As messed up as it sounds, that's the world that we live in, and I just want to throw that out there. Now, last last year with Ron Rivera, or two years ago at this point, one of our biggest gripes with him was the fact that he went for the veterans more than he went for the rookies, or he stuck with the veterans in that sort of I kind of have the same gripe about the new coaching staff, okay? Because the whole last season last year, we were dealing with Teddy, Teddy Dumpster Water, okay? And he was absolutely terrible, yet we had two other quarterbacks on our roster. And they even felt the need to say that TJ had the best arm on the team last year. I really feel like with a losing record, and with no hope, we really should have played some of our other talent on our roster. Okay, let me know what you guys think, because that is an issue that it's biting us in the ass right now with where we don't know who we got. So, love the show, guys. Keep going. I think the complicated part about last year is that there was a moment in the middle where we were starting to get some momentum. And, you know, like we broke the losing streak and all of a sudden it thought, man, maybe this team's a little bit better than we were giving credit for. We're actually in the hunt. And I, they didn't want to tank. They didn't want to tank. Yeah, but I, the, there was. And we were critical. A lot of us, and you included, Nick, were critical about that. Is like, why aren't we looking at other options when we know what we got here? Uh, just another shout out for you, uh, brother is uh, check out the podcast called Serial Season 3. Season 3 of Serial. And they they do a close watch of the Cleveland justice system. It's one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. And you will uh, like, uh, you you will be justified and validated in what you said in very many ways. On that podcast and by that podcast. Thanks, Nick, for your call. Wait, uh, let me say, wait, before we do, I want to say one thing because this kind of got it's lost. Tony, can you hear me? over Carolina. 36 seconds to go. 36 from the Atlanta 19. Donald back to pass. Here comes the pressure. Donald steps to his right. He steps up in the pocket. Runs it. It's caught at the 11. Dan Arnold makes a defensive miss. Ten five touchdown. Dan Arnold. Arnold to Arnold touchdown. Arnold to Arnold with eleven seconds to go. And think of America goes wild. <laughs> hey guys, it's Chuck from Elizabeth City. <laughs> that up, that's what we can look forward to this year. Hey, uh, all I right. think that would be awesome. Um, the real good thing I, I think happened with this trade is, you know, we didn't really lose a lot of assets. I really feel if we can somehow manage to eat part of Teddy's salary, get him shipped somewhere, we pick up a mid-round pick that can kind of take care of the fourth-round pick. We're only losing the sixth this year. 
uh, it's really no big deal. I know the second round pick is a big deal, but if we can improve this team through this draft, build the trenches in the secondary, come away with a few good players, I think we're set to do well. Uh, now, does that mean we're going to make the playoffs? No. But I definitely think we can be on the plus side of nine wins or more. Uh, realistically, we could be. Donald's a young quarterback. I think he got a raw deal. Um, anything has got to be better than the 0-8 we saw with Teddy. And I realize all those games weren't on Teddy. We had a kicker who missed some important kicks. But I really do feel that we can really do so well. And we could come away from this draft building the left tackle, one or two guards, get your safety, get your cornerback, maybe find another receiver for depth. I think we're going to be doing okay, guys. So just want to get your take on that. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's a good point in that, that building through the draft. This allows us to build a team the right way, um, yeah. if there is a right way, but without having to force the issue. Um, and I like that the team has come out and said that they're open to taking quarterback still if it's there. Yeah. Um, I, listen, I, I said that this uh, gives us the opportunity to do a lot of different things with that number one pick. Um, by the way, I wanted to say something about, from the call two calls ago, and this kind of got lost in the conversation that we originally had about Deshaun Watson. So I wanted to make sure that I clarified this. Like, I wasn't trying to say that if Deshaun Watson was guilty, uh, whatever, we should just not, you know, uh, look both away or not look at it twice and just never mind it and move on. And it is what it is. He'll play again. Like, no, if, if any of that stuff is true about Deshaun, he clearly has some issues. And uh, CK even said it. he has a kink, like a real fetish going on with massage therapists and I definitely don't condone any of those actions. The only point that I was trying to make that night is that the precedent had sort of been set amongst other players who have done bad things before who basically came back to play NFL football and that Deshaun is definitely guilty until proven innocent. In today's world, that's pretty much uh, you know, how it is for everyone, especially with the whole Me Too movement and people believing women, you know. So I didn't want to make it sound like I was like, oh, that's okay. It's not a big issue. I was just saying Deshaun deserves his day in court. That's all. If it is true, then I definitely wouldn't uh, want him to be our franchise quarterback. Some people in our Discord were kind of confused about that. So I felt the need to uh, clarify a little bit. So, All right. Uh, next call. Hey guys, it's Chuck from Liberty City. Just kind of throwing it out here about the draft. Uh, you know, going back a week ago, we were all worried because the Sean Watson situation did not look good. And of course, we lost our own uh, Matt Stafford. And then it looked like the 49ers trading up to the three spot. Like, man, we got to trade up, we got to trade the future, or we're doomed. Um, the Donald thing, and this is not saying that Donald's going to be an excellent quarterback. I think there's hope. There's a ceiling there. He's young. I think the fortunate thing for us is that he had a terrible coach, no quarterback help, no quarterback coach, and he allows the organization who did not surround him with good weapons. And his line wasn't too bad, but at times it was pretty crappy until the last year here where they 
been trying to develop some talent on that line. But I want to kind of throw it out here because now we're in a situation where the draft could play out in our favor. Um, I definitely know that the quarterbacks are going in the first three picks. Atlanta's either going to trade that pick. They could take a quarterback. If they trade the pick, somebody taking four is taking a quarterback. Or they could take Kyle Pitts. Uh, if they take a quarterback, and let's say between um, Cincinnati, Miami, and Detroit, one of those three will take a lineman. We've really got to hope Cincinnati takes a receiver. Miami might take if uh, they might take a receiver. We can end up having Sewell's a first option, second option Slater. So we're going to walk away with a great left tackle. If both of them are going, what if we get the quarterback? What if Trey Lance is there? Or what if we trade that pick if Lance is there we don't want to develop him and we get an extra first rounder because we trade down a few spots and still get a player um, of extreme value, whether it be a corner or um, – you know, another lineman or, or something of that nature that we could use. Or a linebacker. Okay. If those are going and Pitts isn't there, then maybe we take the first defensive play off the board. It could be certain. I think we're sitting in a pretty good spot where we trade down and accumulate more picks. We end up grooming a backup quarterback for the long run. Or we end up getting one of these offensive linemen or certain, which will answer the secondary issue. But I really... Like All right, great stuff, Chuck. Let's keep uh, rolling through. Here's Kevin from Charleston. Hey, it's Kevin from Charleston again. All right, enough about Sam Donald. The real question is, what are we doing in the draft? Are we getting the tackles? Or are we getting pits? Or are we going to trade back? Maybe a corner? I don't know. You tell me. Peace. Cody, I'll let you take this. You're on mute. Yeah, right now, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, um, if a if Trey Lance or Justin Fields don't fall to us, which I would still take them in that event and let them sit behind Sam Darnold or try and beat him out for the job, if one of those two guys are not there, yeah, I'm taking Penae Sewell or Rashawn Slater. Um also wouldn't be mad at uh, Sertain or uh, J.C. Horn, and I kind of think Kyle Pitts will be gone. But if he is there, we definitely need another tight end um, uh, with the receiving talent of Kyle Pitts. Not much of a blocker, but dude, at this point, it doesn't matter. Everyone sees what kind of weapon that guy is. Um, but I would say QB still first, depending on the guy there, then left tackle, then cornerback in that order build that wall we need offensive linemen that's what we need all right next call what it do c3 it's your boy mike what's up bro hope you guys are having a fantastic tuesday i am um let me just take this time out to congratulate y'all on y'all uh, 2,000 subscribers. Appreciate you, man. Big achievement. I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, Thank you, brother. You know, since I found you guys, you know, it's been all love. You know, I, I ride or die for the Carolina Panthers, so it's... Uh, You're in the right spot, homie. Be a 
running Panther Podcast. My man. Of the world. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Of the, in the world. Um, I just want to talk about one thing because I know y'all talked about Sam Darnold and, and what we're going to do in the draft already. So let me just state this. I commend you, Tony, for uh, for finally wanting Kyle Pitts. You know, I, I, I would joke with you all the time about taking the tight end in the first round and all that. I know the history, but kudos to you, good sir. Um, he is a beast, and I wouldn't mind having him, but I would assume... If uh, he doesn't go to the Falcons, he's going to the Dolphins, maybe. Um, I don't see him slide into us, but regardless of the fact, we should get a snake tool for uh, Rashawn Slater. So, yeah, that uh, man feels so good. We got a promising young quarterback in his early years, and... Uh, we're not strapped for anything in the draft. We can just sit back and just take what we need. So it feels good. Um, all right. So I got cut off last time. Here's my best, uh, Panther growl. <laughs> Thanks, Supreme Leader, man. We appreciate you. We're glad to have you part of the fam. All right. Uh, next call. Yo, C3 Podcast, what's good? It's JDO before. I think it's my second or third time calling in, but no guys do want to throw out my Thank opinion you. on everything so far. And uh, personally, I'm optimistic about us picking up or uh, trading for Sam Darnold. I, I often do talent alone. Like, I watch a little bit of his highlights, so a little bit of, of film on him. He, he's easily more talented than Teddy. So pairing him up with our coaching staff, if they can get all the bad habits that he developed being with the Jets out of him. And what happened? Is he still going? Oh, he got cut off. All right. Let's see. Ew, C three podcast. This is JBO fifty four. I just got cut off the last time on what happened. But what I was trying to say was I'm optimistic about us trading for Sam. I think he can be like I, I think he can be coached up. Like his his ceiling has to be higher than what Teddy is because at this point everyone knows what Teddy is. Um so I'm 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 looking at him with the same lens I was viewing Teddy through like before we traded for him, I would think we were going into the season with Teddy if we did pick up a QB Stuff was still going to need to be built up around whoever is at QB. So with the draft coming up, if they're able to, to secure the left tackle position or secure the cornerback position, because that's still a question mark, they they get these things right. As other people have alluded to, we're not tied to either quarterback for an extended period of time. So if things don't work out, then cut bait. And more times, more than likely, if we're not doing too hot this upcoming season, we'll be in the top 10 again. And if there's a guy there that you feel can actually be a franchise QB, then you move heaven and earth to get him. So I'm, I'm optimistic about the, the trade. Uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. Mouth. 
All right, man. Appreciate the call. I like the perspective. And While you're pulling that up, Aaron Rodgers, 2022, if Sam Darnold's a bust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I think this is the last call right here. Oh, shit. How should we feel about Sam Darnold? Was it just a bad team and organization in the Jets? Did he just not have weapons? Or is this guy just not good and was not worth signing him? So that's my question. Is he worth it? Was it just a bad organization? Or is he just not good? Thank you. Bye. We'll never, so we won't know until the end of this year. Well, uh, yeah, it's funny that you say that, CK, because what I was about to say was is I don't think so I think we're going to find out what the answer was real quick so for example I don't think Sam um I don't think we're going to be wondering who Sam is in in week you know 14 15 like I, I kind of think we're going to know by the middle of the season if Sam was just a product of a terrible season or does he actually have, um, you know, some real deficiencies yeah. that that he yeah. just isn't going to be able to overcome? I don't think that it's going to be some crazy question that we're wondering about throughout the season. I think we're going to know fairly quick, and I think uh, at that point we'll be able to, um, you know, adjust accordingly. But I think I, Sam will be able to pick up Joe Brady's offense. That And the reason I say we won't know until the end of the year is because the most important one is that second-round pick, right? If we're picking really early in the draft because we went uh, 3 and 14, you know, then, yeah, that's a big deal. Like, that was definitely not worth it because that second-round pick is almost equivalent to another late-round first-round pick because we're going to be picking early in the second round, right? So we gave up a really high top 50 pick. Um, and so, yes, that part, that also plays a part. The other part is it's going to depend upon there. There's so many factors in this that we've got to think about, right? Number one, if Sam Darnold comes out and he's just okay, he's not fantastic, but there was a quarterback sitting there ready for us to draft at eight and we decided to pass on them and they come out and they ball out, then it's a bad move there. Even though it may not have been a bust for Sam Darnold, we didn't pick Trey Lance, who came out and threw 40 interceptions and broke a rookie record for whatever may come up. Like, there's too many moving. That's where I say that there's until we see what happens, obviously through the season, but specifically until the end of the season, you know, we're not going to know. I mean, I, I'd love to be able to tell you right now that and abate all your fears that, that Sam Darnold's going to work out, that it was all coaching. None of us know that. We're just hopeful and optimistic that the, the hope that he held – uh, as a number three draft pick uh, in the NFL three years ago is still there and that we can maybe uh, find a way to to bring that same Sam Darnold back to the to the forefront and actually maybe make him better. But uh, right now, it's a big question mark. We won't know until it actually happens. All right, I think I found Blake B's call. Tony, you know him attacking my dad. Not letting you off the hook. You might have thought you got away with it. Oh, no, sir. No, sir, buddy. You should get my car last week, homeboy. Six four three six. I'm not gonna get the whole number from y'all. Leave that out. I don't want that out there anyway. Six four three six. Last
I still think they'd be funny today. Shoot. I don't know if you can meet them most. But hey, the parents of organization is on fire. It's on fire. I love the analogy. The glass has been broken. The hatchet is out. And they action of any BD. Famous wrong style. And then shopping them. He's over. He's out. Sorry. Hey. I, I don't know what to think about this. I don't know if you throw the bag or take the bag. Excuse me, if you take the bag if somebody offers it up at number eight, trade down. I mean, I, I love being able to build that wall. I mean, I don't think Sewell's going to be there, but maybe I think, I think one boy's name is Slater, number two, uh, which is still named. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be available, but in that bag, it's awful tempting to say if somebody offers it. All right, Blake Bettis. We love you, bro. Thanks for your contributions, not only the call, but in the Discord chat and all just the support you've given us. And and it's wonderful to have such a a rich community that we've been building. All right. I hope that was the call we're referring to. And uh, that really, we're going to wrap it up with that. We're going to do our ice up picks and get out of here. Um, what I'll do is this, is we'll kind of reconvene throughout the week, maybe put together some smaller things uh, and, and just make sure that we have uh, turned over. Ever. No rock goes unturned or no stone goes unturned or whatever. So we're going to keep putting up uh, uh, content throughout the week. Watch for Cody Lashney's film reviews. I know he's going to be watching some Sam Darnold stuff. Um, ice up picks. Uh, anybody got one they're ready for? Yeah. Oh, nice. What you got? All right. So we have, I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a private chat uh, between the people in the show. And, uh, and Tony was very insensitive to Cody uh, in the chat. And, uh, and so he, he told Cody that if he needed to roll out that uh, we can handle the show. And, um, I just thought that was very insensitive. He could have used any other terminology if you need to uh, get off of the show, but no, he decided to use rollout. Um, so, uh, so uh, Tony, ice up for being uh, non politically correct, my dude. I thought we were friends, Tony Dunn. What the I could hell? Could have said walk out. Just walk out, then. <laughs> dude, you know what? Just for that, I'm gonna kick your ass, bro. <laughs> Uh, somebody tell me if Blake B is still in the chat. I hope he didn't run off. He done, he done dipped out, bro. He said, I'm not even going to stick around for this. You Did missed he? my call. I'm done, bro. bro he he in and oh, out, no, man. no, no, no. Oh, Blake Bettis is in and out, bro. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, Evangelista says, I said, well, this will never happen that good. I said, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, what um, you got? So, listen, like, this is, um, so I, I can go a few different ways with this. I'll just say this. Um, the All-Star game was uh, canceled. The, I, I believe it was the MLB All-Star game mm-hmm. um, from Cobb County because uh, of this new voter suppression law that was passed um, in Georgia. So as a response, as a retaliation, 
the MLB said we are no longer bringing our All-Star game to Atlanta. Uh, we're not bringing the All-Star game there. And my initial reaction was, uh, you know, I don't necessarily have all the, 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 the fine details, but aren't you still just hurting the people that have already been negatively affected by a bullshit law? But now, not only do they have their voting rights suppressed, but now they can't go see a, the fucking All-Star game if they wanted to. Like, I get that it takes away money from the 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 state, and it's supposed to be like, you know, like a way to show that that's not okay. And I understand it. I'm definitely not down for voter suppression. But in the same light, then you're also, you're taking money away from all the people who voted against the laws and against those, um, you know, voter suppression tactics. So again, it's kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face, in my opinion. You know, I don't necessarily know that that um, gets to uh, to change what you're trying to affect. You know, I don't necessarily know that it serves that purpose. So. I kind of think you're just hurting the people that have already been negatively affected. So um, I would say to everyone who's just willing to burn everything down, um, if they're not able to, you know, get their vote passed or whatever it is, um, it's kind of narrow minded. And I think there's too much of that in today's world. So um, I would say to the MLB, I suck. Because you're still hurting the people that have already been hurt by the new law. So it makes no sense to me. It's like uh, boycotting Coke because they're based out of Atlanta. Um, you know, I know there's other things that are people boycotting. Right now is not a good time to be Coke. But uh, it's all kind of very similar. And in, uh, in you're, you're not helping. It's kind of like, you know, when, when people were using the, you know, you're protesting by destroying, you know, stores right. that have nothing to do with it. Um, you know, same concept here. You guys are, are you know, uh, making decisions that are hurting the people that are, are are impacted by this more than helping them. It just makes it's just so backwards. It's not even funny. They think they're hurting the state and they are to a degree, but you're very much more hurting the people that are needing those jobs for the stadium. You're hurting the people that would love to go to those games in the midst of a of a pandemic when they haven't had that. That that type of a, a of a of a experience, you're taking that away from people that really need it. So I agree. That's a great audio. I said, Pickman. It worked for the NCAA though in North Carolina, and they got HB two repealed that way. Um, hey, I, I guess um, you know you're going to yeah. bait me into being the opposite on this on this ISA pick, and not that I first is that this is what. Um, the the fact that we're all surprised that um, the first thing that people do when they get into office is try to secure to gerrymander elections. They redo districts. They do voting law. That's the redoing of districts is the biggest thing. In North Carolina, we have some real shady mess that just doesn't make it fair. Like you don't get the right candidates in. They don't have a chance. So I, I do um, commend people for. Uh, but, you know, for taking a stand when it comes to voting laws, I do have some questions about business and how how they are influenced. But I'm going to ice up uh, Mitch McConnell 
um, who has been very critical about these companies, uh, MLB and these boycotts. He said this, uh, quote, from election law to environmentalism to radical social agendas to the Second Amendment, parts of the private sector keep dabbling and behaving like a woke parallel government. Corporations will invite serious consequences if they become a vehicle for far-left mobs to hijack our country from outside the constitutional order. Businesses, he continued, must not use economic blackmail to spread disinformation, push out bad ideas that citizens reject at the ballot box. The interesting part about this is um, McConnell uh, was a staunch supporter of the Supreme Court's 2010 decision, um, Citizens United, which made it so... All of these CPACs or whatever they're called, the super PACs um, can exist where they uh, basically open the floodgates on business donations to campaigns. They um, supported the rights for business to have political agendas. And now you're upset when the political agenda of businesses and very big ones and powerful ones. Uh, just don't happen to be on your side. You didn't have a problem when oil was lobbying for this or that. You didn't have a problem when these other businesses were on your woke ass rights. So, you know, it's, you kind of got, you get what you get. You know, you asked for this and now it just turns out that these super companies are run by people that don't look and act like you often. Um, and they're not from Georgia and they're not from Kentucky. They're from leftist as California or wherever. So, um, you know, do I think we overreact and we can't like is I think if anything, this should show us that these are some of the dangers of allowing businesses to be, um, you know, so influential in a democratic society. But at the same time, you know what? It's their right. You know, if it's really that messed up, then MLB is going to take a hit for this. You know, is that they're going to, they should, and maybe they should take a hit. Um, I think that this is far less concerning about them boycotting things than um, the more concerning part is businesses and lobbying and how they um, are so influential in the political system all the time, everywhere. Um, We should probably be concerned with some of that. So uh, to Mitch McConnell, ice up. All right. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCountsChronicles.com. We did skip a few calls tonight uh, just because there were multiple calls. So I tried to. I played as many as I could in the time fashion. It's 1230 right now. Um, We're going to be, you know, talking and discussing strategies for pushing this along in different ways going forward. But we appreciate all y'all support. Uh, we're glad that you guys are taking advantage of the cat calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. It's open all the time for you to voice your opinion. Um, someone go tell Blake. I, pay, uh, I find Blake and tell him I've played his call. Uh, that's a cat. You motherfucker did that. All right. Um, I'm on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. On top of that, you can find uh, my work at carolinacatchronicles.com um, every Tuesday and uh, follow Cody's uh, film sessions. Go ahead, Cody. How can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Um, this uh, Thursday, uh, because of Easter, the, uh, our draft got pushed back a little bit on DraftTech.com. I really love the picks that I was able to make uh, this mock 
go around. So check out drafttech.com. I'm the Panthers analyst. I write first and second round comments for the Carolina Panthers on drafttech.com. And keep your eyes peeled to the channel. I'm going to be going live. I'm trying to go live around 5.30 every uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, so I'm going to make up and I'm going to do a film session tomorrow. More than likely, it's going to be on Sam Darnold. So hit the notification bell. Um, make sure you're subscribed. Get all the content that we're going to be pumping out to you. Hey, man, we're at the end of the show, and we still almost have 100 viewers, man. It's insane, man. Dude, that's got the such dedication a good community. we love. We love you guys. We sincerely mean it, man. We feel like we know so many of you in the chat just from being able to interact with you guys every Tuesday and every time we react. We love doing this. We hope you guys love doing this with us. And, um, yeah, man, that's it for me. Signing out. Go uh, also, people in the watching the video, listen on the podcast. Go uh, if you haven't checked out our video from yesterday, reacting to the trade. Just go give it a thumbs up, a share, and boost it because it's one of those videos that got enough pop that it can take us a little farther. You know, it slowed down, but it, man, it jumped from 800 views when we were done to 4,000 overnight. Now it started to plateau. So go give it a second boost, give it a round of thumbs up and get it back in the algorithm. Code Allen, master of all streams. Where can they find you? You can find me on Facebook gaming, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the, major social medias and uh it's gonna be codizzle allen just be looking for me out there we're gonna make it big this is going to make it big i'm gonna make it big tony cody greg we're all gonna be there we're bringing you guys with us let's go let's do it. it all right uh next tuesday 9 p.m um until then keep pounding keep pounding keep pounding this is the story of the one As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.